Guys, today on Select Few, we have Pastor Julian from Grace Church in Plano. How are we doing today, Julian? I mean, I'm okay. doing well. Thanks for coming. Yeah. I'm honored to be here. It's, yeah. uh, it's my a, guy. It's a... Uh, We've been we've actually been talking about this for a long time since we started the podcast that we were like we gotta have Julian, Julian's got to come on this, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of school us exactly. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> share share your knowledge. Share my heart. Okay, yeah, I mean, it's, that works too. You know, I, like I I met you. You know, you listen to Drake, bro. About seven months ago, and it's like <laughs> you know, ever since that moment, the first time I ever met you, it's like that's that's my dude. Mm-hmm. Like, like it just, it made sense. And it's like, I was like, okay, you're definitely put in my path for a reason. So I really appreciate you doing this. It's, I've been excited. It's an honor. Kind of giggly about it. Eric's like, calm down. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I appreciate you. And uh, I kind of, I kind of want to start off and, and, you know, obviously, you know, the guests know, not the guests, the, our, our fans out there know, you know, by saying pastor, you know, you're at the church and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I, I want to get into the core of, who Julian is before we get to Pastor Julian. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if you can separate them. Um, I don't know. I don't know if my life is led by the title. Um, I think my life has gave, given me opportunities to pastor, but I don't, I don't lead by that title. I lead by just loving the Lord. And so um, I got a family. Uh, my wife and I have been married almost 15 years. Four kids. Yikes. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, like I, I know I feel that one <laughs> four young kids yeah and uh, and I just try to love Jesus what it boils down to and um, so I'm, I've been at the church also for about the same time graduated from Dallas Baptist University in 2008 started uh, working at the church in 09 uh, the church I've been at has I've been going there since I was a kindergarten wow and so um, I tell my pastor, my my um, I tell my my boss. I said, if you don't like what you what you see in me, don't blame me, blame you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now this is a privilege to be a product of a place you work in. Where Where did you grow up? Uh, here in Plano. Okay. So born in New York, Binghamton, New York, and shortly came down here to North Dallas. Um, been in North Dallas area since since I can remember. Graduated from Plano East, two thousand five. Nice. And it's kind of been in the area. So, do, so did your parents kind of raise you in church? Oh uh, yeah, uh, there's a there's an old song that says um, some of us are drug babies that we got drugged to church. <laughs> and um, <laughs> no, I, I my parents um, my parents are not in the ministry, but they did they faithfully attended. Matter of fact, the church we go we we why Grace Church. Uh, my my folks grew up in South Dallas and abandoned all that good worship, good preaching. To come over here to you know to White Plano, mm-hmm. and um, because of the children's ministry, are we, your parents still around here? My parents still they are they live in Murphy. Oh, okay. okay, and so still married, and um, yeah, we were going to the church because my 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 siblings and I loved it. Mm. So it was good for us. Yeah, how many siblings you got? I got an older brother, an older stepsister, and a younger sister. Do any of them, did they follow the life of the church as far as being pastors? Mm-hmm. Or no, I'm, a, I'm the only one who works at the church. Um, my parents are in IT. My siblings do their own things. Yeah. And um, I'm the only one. Yeah, you know, it's always incredible. Like I was, I look for people's journey to see, you know, people raised in church, they pretty much just stay in church, this and that. But then like the people who, um, 
end up working at the church, you know, mm-hmm. being pastors and going forward. And like, when, at what age did you really find like that was that passion, like that I'm <clears> going <throat> to be a pastor or I'm going to be, you know, involved somehow? Man, I, I know exactly when it was. Um, so my parents, we put, we, uh, they put me and my sister and all our siblings into a, a Christian school called Canyon Creek Christian Academy. It's gone now, but um, we were in eighth grade and I had to write a paper about what I want to be when I grow up. And I was like, I either want to be a policeman or a preacher. And Miss Mims, it was a Miss Mims class, and uh, she's still around today. Shout out Miss uh, Mims. Yeah, shout out Miss <laughs> Mims. Um, and um, I was like, well, I don't, I mean, she's like, well, have you ever met, I don't know what to choose, and have you met one? I said, no, and uh, the school was attached to a church. She walked me down, I met the preacher there, and don't remember his name, don't remember what he looked like, but I said, I want to be a preacher. So I wrote about it. Got in the car. I remember my mom was looking at me and saying, okay, how's your day? Well, I want to be a preacher when I grow up. And she said, you can't do that. You're not called. You have to be called. Did you understand what that meant? Uh, well, I knew it wasn't me. <laughs> okay. And then um, later on, in, um, a few, few, uh, few years later, in about 10th grade, I was in a summer camp, and I felt God call me. It's a worship setting, and I felt God say, God, I'm, I'm, choos- I'm calling you to do this for life. And so ever since that moment, every decision has been made in, in terms of me just giving my life to the Lord. Okay. Uh, I stopped playing football, stopped playing basketball, joined the leadership program at uh, Plano East, uh, started leading in the church, leading in the youth group, leading in the schools, conversations with lead up. Uh, growing up, I mean, this podcast goes out to so many people, but... The people knew me when I was in high school. They called me Rev. Oh, really? Yeah, I was known as someone who loved Jesus even then. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of been that way. So I went to I went to Christian school to eighth grade, and then my my ninth grade year was my first year in public school at Williams High School, and then I went to public school the rest of the year. What was that difference like? Were you? Uh... Um, the difference for me was all right. The yeah. difference for my brother was is it was harmful. Really? Yeah, it was exposure to life, and life got a hold of him. Mm. And um, for me, it was opportunity. It was opportunity just to, you're different, you talk different, you look different a little bit. And uh, I, I've, always, I've always given my differences not to culture, personality. I've given my differences to the Lord, and I, I just believe that. Do you feel like going through school, especially going into the public school, high school, did you feel like there's a lot of like pushback? Yeah, I would think there would be criticism for your faith, and you know, you just have to deal with that. And th- that that's assuming that the private school is better. That's assuming yeah. that there's not any criticism, there's not any uh, judgment, there's not any problems for faith in the, in the Christian school. And what we learn about life is that you know, the Christian areas and arenas are no different than the public sectors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can look at the colleges nowadays. I mean, I went to Dallas Baptist University, one of the better ones, but Baylor, uh, SMU, um, a lot of these Christian organizations that should be Christian in title don't always have people who are Christians in practice. Mm-hmm. I call it, was I call like, it Christian of the head versus Christian of the heart. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> but so what I'm saying to you is, is that um, I didn't find it. I didn't. I mean, I didn't find a dramatic a dramatic change. It wasn't like um, it was like night and day, black and white. Mm. So I mean, the transition for that, it's like there's persecution either way. Yeah. Well, there's there's inner there's an inner conflict to choose right and wrong, regardless of where 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 you are. Right. The, trying to think now, like where I was gonna go with that one. 
What I mean, so so like your your core group of friends, you know, mm-hmm. whether it was in the Christian school or in in the the public high school, like, did you see their face change, their faith, and you know, or were they kind of? Well, my core group of my core group of friends was at church. That's the consistent, that's the constant. Um, and then the uh, the other ones were my neighbors, constant, consistent. Um, the people who I grew up with from first to eighth grade, I still have, I still can say hi to them. Facebook friends, um, and then when you develop new friends in high, in ninth and tenth and eleventh and twelfth, those are also good friends. You mm-hmm. know, I have a friend named Marino Gitachu. He's one of my boys. Um, he'll always be a good friend to me. You know, always been close to me. And he, I met him in ninth and tenth grade. Mm-hmm. Then you have people like David Villarreal or Jesus Marquez, who I, I learned at church. Mm-hmm. These are life friends. Like they've they've known me my whole entire life. Then you have friends like Daniel Nastasi who's my neighbor um, my whole life. He's seen me my whole life. His, his parents still are neighbors to me, wow. my parents. So. Did you ever find it difficult, you know, with when you see life differently with your faith, right? And then you see people around you, it's like you're, you, you can only say so many things, right, without being, you know, deterring them and making them kind of like, it's kind of hard to put into words, but just... You, you don't know. want to be overbearing? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same thing. Like, even with my faith, like, I don't push it. You know, I mean, I, I'll talk about it all the time, you know. Um, but I'm not, like, you know. Yeah. And it's like, I wonder how that's like in school. Like, going through that, growing up stage of, like, you know, you're obviously big in your faith, even at a young age. And then there's going to be a lot of people who aren't. Yeah. You know, they don't understand um, certain things like that. They didn't grow up in a church. Yeah. It's like, what is that, that people, life like? People feel it. I, don't, I didn't have to say much. And then when opportunities came for me to say something, then you have to say it. Yeah. And I think you have to live it before you save it, say it. And for me, I just, uh, I don't cuss. Um, so I'm all right. People, I, I live the life of different. And it wasn't that I'm trying to be, be somebody. I just, just found the conviction in my heart. Even in, in high school, and so you just live you just live it, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit begins to dwell inside you, and you walk into certain spaces, and people feel the Holy Spirit inside sure. of you. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a some people must say, well, it's a, it's an aura or it's an energy. No, it's the Holy Spirit, and people feel that in you, and then all of a sudden when you start talking, they start asking questions, they get to know you, and they hear about your faith, and then that, then that's when you have to be bold to say something about it. Yeah. So uh, I would say the. I would say it's people, people, I mean, it was, and it's in you, and it's in, it's, it's, an, it's it, 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 I think the spirit dwells inside of us, and people sense it. It's more like, like living by the action, living by, by example. Yeah. It's bigger than just talking about it, almost. Yeah. Which is, which is, I mean, it, it gets difficult at times, but then you get to a place where you just, um, there's a reward to obedience, and then once you start tasting that reward, it gets easier and easier sure. and easier and easier. So did you find, so you take you take your typical people that go to school. It's like you're you know you got drugs and alcohol and yep. sex and all these things yep. going yep. on. Yep. And it's like that's a battle. Like just you know naturally as a child, not right? falling into that. Yeah, I mean because I mean just the everyday person you know faith or no faith like that to be around that. Like what was that like for you? Like did you did you have alcohol and drugs and stuff like that as a youth? Like I know that's a personal question, but like nah, I'm open, I'm an open book, but just <laughs> but I'm I'm not I'm I'm boring. So I've I've never had drugs. I've never smoked anything. Um, not a cigarette, not weed. Um, I think I think I may have been drunk once, 
Drinking, think drinking wine with my wife. Okay. okay. <laughs> Uh, that's just my story. I'm 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 a little boring, and but you know, uh, too often we make decisions daily when we can make them once in a big period. So I just decided I'm not going to do it. Yeah, I didn't do it. And so the temptation to do it wasn't there because I already decided not to. Now, uh, as we get talking more to some other vices and struggles I grew up in and grew into as an adult, um, but as a child, none of those were issues, and none of them are still issues today. I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can be around it and not be tempting me, right. but I choose not to be around it because I don't want to be tempted. Sure. You see what I'm saying? And then I just decided I want to live that life. And so I made the decision when I was little. And I mean, I, I understand that. Like my wife, she, she grew up, you know, never doing any of that, you know, her entire life, even until now. She's mm-hmm. just never been her thing. She, even now, she really drinks. Mm-hmm. You know, she probably had. You know, her fair share of alcohol when we lived in Germany as children, you know, mm-hmm. like at 16, where it's like, this is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a culture. But other than that, like, you know, she was able to stay away from drugs, yeah. you know, and, and do all these things. Me, you know, I, I had to dabble in, in a little marijuana. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's, but it was like the cool thing. And it wasn't like me trying to blame, because I've always been like that black sheep. Like, I have to be different. I want to be the leader of everything. Yep. But it's like. It's just it was the vibe at the time, you yeah. know. Let's that, drink. And marijuana's a gift from God, man. You know, I mean, that's from the as earth. long as it's not, you know, synthetic grown. Well, it, it came to me where I, did, I, did, I didn't want to. It wasn't about right or wrong for me. It wasn't about someone saying, "Hey, this is what you should do, and this is what you shouldn't do." And here, here you do this, you're gonna get in trouble. It wasn't about that. I, I, um, you know, one of the things I was really privileged to do is get immersed in the Word of God. And as I read God's words, God's words began to speak to me, and I just decided to listen to the Spirit inside, and and I wanted to please Him. Yeah, and I wanted to please him more than I wanted to please anybody else, and so I just kind of felt like you know I just this wasn't I don't I didn't think this was pleasing to him. So, so. I mean, so that I guess I want to touch base on that, and you know, in scripture it talks about you know drunkenness and how yep. it gets footholds to the devil and things yep. like that. Yep. I mean, what would be your take like on people having an alcoholic drink? Yeah, great question. Well, the Bible clearly says, "Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit," and so. It, it, it does very much clearly state a, 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 status, a status of being drunk. Um, now, if you push me hard enough, that word drunk is interpreted as in being intoxicated. Intoxication is any level of, of content that you, know, you can be in blood intoxication of a little bit or a lot of bit. But I don't even get there. Yeah. I, I rather focus on the latter part of the verse where it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And most people, it's not the what, it's the why and why people drink. And if it's a numb something, if it's a I'll take the edge off, and I'd rather go to the Holy Spirit rather than to drink, and I'd rather go to the Holy Spirit to take my edge off. And, but uh, and then I learned, hey, if you don't want to get drunk, just don't drink. And so, I mean, is a drink bad? I think we major on the wrong thing sometimes. No, the Bible doesn't say you can't drink. The Bible says don't get drunk. But even then, we try to argue that. Like, no, it doesn't. Why? Because we want to do what we want. No, it clearly says don't get drunk with wine. And when people say, well, Jesus drank. I don't know if he, the Bible doesn't say he did or didn't, but that's not even the argument. Right. Um, I think know. a lot of it, too, is like there's certain types of drunks. Like if, if you're drinking because you're depressed or you're drinking because you, you're having marital problems or your job's no good or this and that, like you're drinking as a vice. Yeah. I believe that creates the strongholds, yeah. you know, because it puts you in a weak spot, yeah. you know, and you're not, you're not being one with the spirit, yeah. right, or true to yourself. And I think for me, that's where that scripture reads. It's like, you know, if, if you can sit here and have a good time, like Eric and I are just, we're talking, and like, because we'll have times after the podcast, we'll sit for two hours, just have a couple of drinks and talk, and I mean, 
Some, a lot of times it's even, it's, it's biblical too. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's just about everyday life. Mm-hmm. But it's like, we're good. You yeah. know, like there's no like, for me, it's like we don't get into this like state of mind where we're sad or depressed or, and so I almost feel like that's where the interpretation, you know, comes yeah. in for scripture for me. That's why I want to ask you that question. Like, yeah, well, I mean, I, 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 the Bible talks about don't, don't mean drunk. And if you, if you want to define that however you want to, I think the principle is, is do I let the word of God have permission to tell me what and what not to, not, not to do? And either you believe it or you don't. And uh, if the Bible says don't be drunk, then you got to trust God's word as word and, and, and follow into it. And the reasons you have to go, well, well, not what, but why. So you can be filled with the Spirit. Well, being filled with the Spirit allows you to grow close with Him. Um, I don't think drinking is bad per se, but when you, when you are the, So my mentor says it this way. He goes, uh, I've never seen alcohol benefit anybody. Um, most people who are drunks are uh, either there's a pain or there's a negative, or they exhibit painful or negative behavior. Yeah. And so, you know, he, he talks about, he, 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 he's, he, he won't even do a sip. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, think it's, I think it's great when people, you know, stick to who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't, you know, I've seen alcoholism throughout my family. Yep. Um, growing up and, you know, from yep. aunts to uncles to, you know, closer than that. It's like. It was never my thing. Like I did it, you know, young age primarily, and then yeah. I mean, I mean, even now, like we don't. Because yeah. we have four whiskey no, bottles. Uh, like like we said before, it's apple juice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was watching. This episode is sponsored by TX Whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, it's like so that so there's a there's a prime example, right? Is we have so the the vibe here is like laid back gentlemen, sure. like you know, sure. this is like you walked into a cigar lounge or something, right? So it's like, but we're not here to get drunk. We're yeah. not here to push like, hey, you need to have alcohol. Like it's it's kind of like the look, right? You put a little bit of whiskey in the glass. It's the look, and it's like it's also a social lubricant. We're, but then, but I'll hear from people, from, you know, that, like that that look at it, and they're like, well, how are you gonna even talk about your faith or your journey if you're drinking and, and you're drinking whiskey? Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's no different than having tattoos. You know, scripture's gonna tell me that I can't. You know, I got four of them. defile my body. But at the same time, when when my journey happened, I'm exactly who I am today. Yep. As far as you know, I'm a sinner and this and that. And I had tattoos and I had this. Yep. And it's you know, it's like well, I want to be me, and God knows who I am more than I know who I am. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna go. You know, it does when I get scripture. I'm like, well, I'm not gonna you know go out to drink my problems away now. Yeah. You know, but do I want to sit there and have a drink? Yeah. Yeah. But it's you know, um, I just and that's but that goes kind of like into stuff we talked about earlier about you know persecution per se you know um, judgmental you know and 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 through my walk I've, I've started seeing that more is the judgment that comes from even people within the church. Yep. You know, you walk in there, in a collared shirt, your tattoos are out, this and that, and they're just kind of like snarling their nose and like, hey, yeah, you know, like. That's me, you might say, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's a that's a that's what I would call misaligned holiness. Uh, I think sometimes we create boundaries so that we can present ourselves before God. Uh, some of those are good, like um, in our church, you can't eat or drink in the sanctuary. Um, is it wrong to eat or drink? No. Is it wrong to eat or drink in the church? No. Well, what, why in the sanctuary? Because we want to make this a place where it is presentable before God. And so what happens is people, 
know good and well what God likes and what makes us holy set apart for him. But what happens is that it becomes behavior that gets translated to expectation. Sure. And now I want you to do X. And if you're not doing X, then... And so uh, I think judgment becomes because we, we try to become holy. And um, the Bible talks about how God's made us righteous. Righteousness is what he did. Holiness is what we do, but we try to project that on others. And so I think this is misaligned holiness. Yeah. And, I, and so um, that, that's, that's where judgment comes from. And, someone, but I, I think that pushes people away from, you know, absolutely. their walk. You well, know what I mean? It, it, well, um. I agree, but I also think in our society, there has to be a place of holiness. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm on both sides of it. Like, I'm on both sides of it. So I think it's God's job to, to, to articulate those things, but where, where it gets negative and pushes people back is when I begin to act as God in someone's life. And um, so I'm with you. College, church, tucked in. Uh, nowadays, we have two types of services. We have a contemporary service. We have a... Um, an old folks service. <laughs> That's for Gabe. And uh, <laughs> and um, and what happens is when we cross those lines, judgment comes. Sure. And I, I agree with you. I'm I'm agreeing that that's wrong. But I also think the church needs to get back to a holy place. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, okay, how do we how do we do this? I think Christians should not point fingers at other people's behaviors, but I also think Christians should examine themselves and live more holy. Right. And so I mean, you know, one without sin cast the first stone. Well, yeah, nobody, you know? all those people had sin. Oh, exactly. Nobody picked up the stone. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, but that's how it is. Like, I, I've always used, even before faith, the analogy of, like, don't throw a stone in a glass house. Everybody has something. Everybody's a sinner. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody is perfect. Yeah. And so, but that's always been my biggest thing, like, even before my walk. And we're, you know, my walk is eight months old. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm an infant. Mm-hmm. And so, but it's like, looking back, and the conversation like Eric and I have had over the years is just like, the people that come at you, yeah, it's like you know, like we've had people come to the doors over the years, be like, "Hey, you don't go to church, you're going to hell," mm. and I'm like, "Well, I'll see you there." Yeah, and so I, that's how I would respond back then, right? Well, I mean, obviously that's not the right way to respond. Sure. I see that now, but it just puts you in an uncomfortable spot that somebody's saying, like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, pounding faith. It's it's kind of like you know, one of the questions I had, you know, for a lot of years was, I don't know where I ever belonged. You know, I'm like, I, I align myself with this view, with this this religion. I feel like this on this religion. And, and I'm like, there's like 4,500 religions out there. You know, and I'm like, but you take your main ones. And I'm like, okay, yep. you know, the Jewish do this, the Catholics do this, the Christians yep. do this. You know, yep. it's like, yep. you know. And so then I'm doing all these questioning. But then everybody wants to come to me and, and be like, well, you know, you need to figure this out because if you're not in church, you're not going to go to heaven. You're not going to have a relationship. And, and like, but now with my walk, I'm like, you don't have to be that way. Yeah. You don't. You literally can just be, you know, and Eric can talk about this more because my walk with him, yeah. you know, he's seen it from the outside perspective, but even like, I'm not like, I need to see you in church tomorrow. Like, sure. Yeah. You know, there's no judgment. Yeah. Well, let me, let me, let me kind of respond to some of those <laughs> Absolutely. thoughts. Absolutely. I, I do think there are, you know, as you ask questions about faith and denomination, you know, there are some core principles that separate. You know, there's core principles that separate the Christian. Um, between um, uh, the Muslim, between the Jew, the Jewish person, the person who believes, and um, so those those core can be weeded out. But then when you did dive a little deeper, there's questions between differences between the Baptists and the Methodists, and then the the Pentecostal, 
Um, and it, we, what I'm saying is you have to determine what is the what is uh, what are the significant differences that we can right. um, pay attention to, and what are the ones that we can still love each other and, and unite with. Sure. And once you do those things, then we can begin to take a journey. And then, um, and I speak about church attendance. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the I'm in the church world, so I would say go to church. <laughs> I would tell the people listening go to church and. And do I think you're not a Christian if you don't go to church? No, you're a Christian if you believe that Christ has come and died for your sins and his blood has atoned for your sin, allowing you to be in heaven. Uh, that belief makes you a Christian. When we talk about growing with God and putting ourselves in his presence and uh, being with him, now we're talking a little different. And so why would I just want to get my ticket punched and not know the man? Sure. Why would I? Why would I want a lot of God up there, but a little bit of God down here? So I want to get a lot of God, and you go to church to get a lot of God. It, de- it definitely helps. You know, it's um, <clears throat> you know, I've talked to Eric about that too. It's just going there, like, and not every time I go to church, it happens. But you know, like, there's certain times I'm like, Holy Spirit is is moving the room. It's like he was in your like, backyard. Yeah, like you feel it, you feel it strong, and it's like this vibes going. And people are like even singing louder than normal, and it's mm-hmm. like I'm like okay, yeah. And then like those times that's happened, and it happened to me twice in the last month, where it's like I end up after church, I had to go sit down for like two or three hours to to listen mm-hmm. and write, you know, like prophetic like type of messages that come to mind. It's like I had to extend my time. And it doesn't happen every time, but it's like there's a certain vibe that goes on in church. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, I think that's because God's there. You know, yeah. God's presence. And he, let me be real. He's not at every church. I don't think he, and uh, we draw a distinction in our team where, yes, God is present everywhere, but he's not always welcome. And so how do you welcome him into a room or our hearts so he can be, uh, his presence can be present, although obviously he's omnipotent. Well, do you believe a lot of that is like the people who oversee the church or the people and the people in the congregation coming to the church? Like the church is just misaligned? Uh, I, I definitely think that happens. Um, I think more often or not, we just take God's presence as casual. And we, we treat it as if it's just um, normative or mundane. And we've lacked a reverence to that. Um, I heard it said before that we see church like a movie theater. We go... Lights are dark, we watch, get our popcorn, we observe or entertain, then we leave. And, um, and we, we want church to entertain us. We want church to be about us, and church is about Him. We're not entertained, per se. We go, we give our worship, we encounter Him, we're actively involved. Uh, we let Him move within us, and we leave, and we take that almost as a practice to do that on Monday. The songs I sing on Sunday, I can sing on Monday and Tuesday. The, the, the verses I read on Sunday, I can study on Tuesday and Monday. The, the themes we talk about forgiveness on Sunday, I'll definitely have opportunities to forgive these snotty kids when they come and put their sticky fingers on me. Uh, so it's, it's, it's being able to take that and, and make it real. So to answer your question, I do think there's some negative politics in church. I do think a lot of leaders and congregations get it wrong. But I really think when it comes down to it, is um, we've treated the presence of God as casual. Yeah. It's, we've profaned it. We've, we've taken, it, take, taken something that is holy and treated it as normal. And therefore, you get what is normal. I mean, one of the biggest things over the years for me, too, is like just feeling like church is just a business. Yeah. 
well, you know, because some of them have made it that way. Mm-hmm. And like I told, I've told you in the past, it's like you know, we we checked out five, six, seven churches, mm-hmm. you know, and like it didn't feel right, or it didn't mm-hmm. feel right, like you know, because I had a, I had an issue, you know, one of the churches. It's like they mentioned three books coming out on Easter, mm-hmm. and then, you know, then they want to give me a story about this the single mom who lives on welfare, who has you know guaranteed her contribution every month to this new ten million dollar sound system, and I'm like, it just it threw yeah. me off. Like I can't, yeah. you know, like I understand, but like I don't want to go in there to hear about you know the pastor's going to sign a, a autograph your book. Yeah, at the you know the end of service, and you can mm-hmm. get a copy for exit yeah. through the gift shop. Well, exactly. So mm-hmm. I, it just it pushed me out. Yeah. Let, let me ask this question. I'm I'm gonna ask it a little bit more like straightforward. It's, it's a two way question. Yep. How do pastors get paid? Yep. And how do they get to the point where you see them now to where, you know, they're driving you know a, a Corvette and they're here and they're there and they got this big mansion, which is, which is mega great. church pastors, yeah. which which is great, right? Like obviously you want to elevate. How do they get to that point and like do their salaries grow up go up? Like how does yeah. that whole system work to where somebody actually gets to that point? Yeah, great questions. Um, let, let me give you a couple of principles that we gotta qualify before. Uh, just because one person did it bad doesn't mean they all do it bad. Sure. Right, for just sure. like policemen. Yeah, and we can't correct and we can't put everybody who in this in the same category. Right. Um, most leaders, most pastors in America are not pastoring mega churches. They're pastoring churches of 150. Mm-hmm. Most pastors in America are not, um, that's not their only job. They're bivocational. So they're giving their time on Sunday as well as, you know, they have a day in, job. doing a day job Monday through Friday. Um, you read throughout the scriptures, even from Old Testament to New Testament, you do see this model of, of really two blending of two blends of thoughts. The first thought is, is we as Christians, as our individual lives, trust God with our finances. And how do we do that? We give to God. Um, the Bible is very clear that what, what we have belongs to Him. The Bible is very clear that there's a there's generosity in Christianity. And so, regardless of anybody else, my job as a believer is say, Father, I believe that you can do more with my income. So, with my faith, I'm putting it in your hands. Uh, as well as being obedient to your word, as well as being trustworthy to the hardest things in my life, money, I'll, I'll give you that. So uh, at one end, we talk about money. It has to exist with my trust to the Lord, my obedience to God. Uh, on the other side of that, the Bible talks about how, and we can, we can do our study if we need to get it out, but throughout Scripture, we see that the priest ate the food of the sacrifice. We see that throughout Scripture, that there are people who are being benefited, who are those who give and minister to others, are being, are, are being blessed and ministered to themselves. And so at one aspect, when we ask the question, how do people in church get that way? It's because um, the tithes given to a church are processed for the things of the church. But people don't give to church, they give to God, but now the church has to become stewards of what, what has been given to, to God. Mm-hmm. And some of that looks like uh, most churches tithe of their income just as much. So our church tithes of our tip. We get to get more. Uh, but every, inc- every money that come in, we give 10% of it out to missions and other, other churches. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, we do got to pay staff. We got to pay the lights. Um, so when, when Gabe asks, how do people get there? Um, I think that the CEO mindset creeps in, where the, the, the leader who is who's there uh, begins to get paid as such. And some of that's honorable. 
I mean, when you got someone who is leading an organization that is, has seen tens, tens of uh, thousands of people and money come in, they're, they are running that like a business and they get paid as such. Sure. Um, some of those guys do write books. They do have other opportunities that come in and good for them. Um, I think what Gabe's really getting upset about is not what they have, it's how they live their life with it, what they have. Mm-hmm. It's the attitude, it's the mindset, mm-hmm. and it's the, the flaunting of that. But the built-in system is that we as Christians give. Uh, we, we give to God, not church. And then the church itself has to process the daily activities to function uh, a place of, of God's kingdom. And so when you balance those normative things, then you have things that are abnormal uh, and sin can creep in because people are people and people sin. Mm-hmm. And just because the, it's the biggest fallacy in America is the person's on the stage is the most righteous person in the room. That's not always the case either. Sure. Yeah. All right? And so uh, I think we have to separate those things. Um, and I'm not going to let someone disobedient stop me from being obedient. I'm not going to let someone who has misaligned money and has misplaced money and has bought this and has done this and flaunted this and said this stupid and did these things stop me from being obedient to my first conviction. God, I trust you with my money, with my income, and I'll be obedient uh, to what you have asked me to do. So, Gabe, I don't know if that asked your question. How does somebody get there? I mean, that's sin. That's pride. Um, uh, that's taking advantage of, of the opportunities that have, that have been given to the blessings that have been given to them. Uh, but the money comes because they're 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 they're, they're CEOs, gotcha. uh, and they're leaders. Yeah, and I'm I'm definitely not upset. I just had no idea how. Let's say you know the the tithing goes towards the church. Yeah. At what point do they say, "All right, we're going to give you more money"? Yeah. You know what I mean? I just, yeah. Let me let me answer for ours. Uh, ours has a board of directors, and uh, the senior pastor does not decide his his uh, his pay, and so the board of directors, which is built of only two church members. Um, other leaders in the community, other leaders in the nation decide that person's pay. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's given by that area. I mean, I guess it, in like an outside perspective now after hearing that, it's like a business, right? Like my income for our business goes up and down. Mm-hmm. When, when things are rough, I lower my pay, but I never lower my employees' pay, mm-hmm. right? So I take a hit. But if the business does well, I tend to pay myself more. And so I feel like if a church is growing, massively growing, and but they are doing massive amounts of work, right, for sure. for the kingdom, I don't see the problem paying somebody more. Nope. But on the outside perspective, it's like, you know, three private jets and a big house, but then a hurricane comes through and you're not going to open your church to for all of these people. Uh, and, and then that's, that's where we got to be honest. That's where we got to be honest and straight honestly with the, 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 there's, sin, there's sin in people. Yeah. Sure. And people get it wrong. And it's easy to be in a position of leadership and think that that pulpit is yours and it's about you. Sure. And it goes back to the core conversation we had before is people have lost the reverence of the, of, of the church. And I think church leaders have forgot that too. Yeah. It's, about, it's about him and, and we make it about us and then, then that's what we just represent him. Should, should somebody be worried though, let's say they're new in their, in their faith and they go to a church and the pastor is driving a Lambo and doing this. Should, should that be a concern at all? Um, I would, I would have concern. And the reason why I would have concern is I would think that the pastor would know better. Right. Um, but, but I'm not, once again, I'm not going to let someone else's life stop me from my belief in God is independent. Right. And so if someone's new in their faith and they're seeing someone who's, not, who's of faith doing bad things, I would say to them, don't let that person stop you from growing in your faith. Right. Because you're going to have opportunities in your growing faith to make decisions right or wrong 
but don't base your right or wrong based upon someone else's stupid or smart. Right. We are responsible for, no one's responsible for my soul but me. Exactly. And so I'm, I have to take care of me and that, that pastor has to take care of him and he's going to stand before the judgment seat of God seeing how he's going to allocate it. At the same time, if the man got money that was inherited to him or because right. of this or that and he spends his money the way he does, he's got to recognize that people watch him. Right. And that's where I would say about, hey, as a leader, we have to carry ourselves differently than everybody else because people are watching. Yeah, it's right. lead by example. Yeah. And yeah. so, so should, should a new believer be concerned if their pastor's driving a Lambo? Um, uh, Slightly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I, I don't, I, I think he represents God and I don't think God would, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question, but yeah. okay. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's perspective. It's, it's no different than like a, what I was talking about with the land of the other night was, um, for me, like, you know, I pretty much have owned a lot of different things, right? And you've seen mm -hmm. me through this process, like, sell things off. Like, I just don't need this. And it's like, I don't, and I mentioned this on a podcast once, like, I have a dream car, Rolls Royce Wraith, like, but they're, you know, big money. And I, and I was telling the guys, like, until I've given away three times the amount of that car. Mm -hmm. to, to society and for the kingdom, I'm not even going to. Well, when you get that car, you give me a call because yeah. I want to ride in it. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to let you take it for the date night, man. But, but that's Sounds the whole good. thing. So like for me, because I've just always been that way, but I'm like, I don't feel like I've earned it. One, for me now, it's like until God says, hey, you know, this is okay. Like I pray yeah. on everything now. Yeah. Like I really don't even walk without a prayer now. It's yeah. like, and, and that's it. You know, it's like, is this, you know, of God? Yeah. And, um, but that's how we were talking about the 10%. You know, at dinner last night, we're just we're sitting there talking, and and you know we have like an auto draft for the church, and we just came up with a number, you know, of like hundred bucks a week, and um, cause we're not actual members, right? We have a thing on the twelfth to look at what that looks like, mm -hmm. and it's like if I have no problem giving away ten percent, mm -hmm. even fifteen percent, mm -hmm. right? But I almost feel like I want to give the church X amount. Sure. And I want to be able to go out and like my son yesterday went to his first, uh, it's called um, uh, Skate Camp Church. Mm -hmm. And they meet at the Frisco Skate Park every Wednesday. And like he was so like, it was so stoked. cool. It was super stoked, like super cool, nonprofit. And it's like they'll, they'll bring drinks and, and food for them in a church. And like, so all the donations in it, just like the, the people that run it, they, uh, they actually don't pay themselves anything. It literally just goes back into pushing for the kingdom, but sure. it's something he likes. So I'm like, well, I think part of my 10%, I want to start donating to them. Sure. You know, as long as I can see the message, because it goes back to what you're saying. Like, we don't truly know what the church does. They tell us, mm -hmm. right? But we don't know what that stretch is. It's like the other day at church, they, uh, you know, our church is, is the oldest in McKinney. Okay. And so they were talking about expansion, expansion for their building to get rid of portables. But, um, they, they're actually one of their their pastors there. They're paying for him to start his church in Melissa. Mm -hmm. So it's like a multiply thing that they do that's like, look, you know, and they told everybody in the congregation, hey, if the Melissa place can be closer, why don't you go check it out? Like, And so they're expanding into other, sure. creating more churches. Sure. And so I thought that was really neat um, of something. But it's like there's little things we just won't ever know unless we're actively in the church. Yeah, but that's that's why that's why I said that we have to get to a place where I give to God and not the church. Yeah, and I had I had to separate them because at one end it's like it's like giving to the homeless person across the street. Do I give or don't give? Well, I mean I have a belief that I help when I can, how I can, whenever I can, and so my job is to help, and I don't care what he does with it. Yeah, 
I have to literally in my mind separate what what my giving to my God does, me being obedient to him. Because if we want to really get into it, what does the Bible say? Is that obedience? Do I, do I have to give 10%? Uh, or do I get to give 10%? Is that just a number given by God, by the church? What is, what's up with that? Right. And, but I believe, and I think we have to get to a place, is I give to God, not to church, not to man, not to people. I give to him. And then on the other side of that, then now that person's responsible for it. And so, um, Walter, I would, I would challenge you, bud, you, uh, it's to... Think about giving a tithe mm-hmm. and then giving above. Giving a tithe and, you know, just being able to separate the two. But, you know, I, I think people, once again, just like the drink, we can, we can get so wrapped up in the minutiae. We forget the why. And we forget God's word. And we forget that all these things don't draw us away from God, but create intimacy with him. Right. I mean, because it's like even, in, you know, our conversation about the 10%, it's like, I told her last night, I said, we need to find a comfortable amount of money every month yep. that we absolutely don't need, mm-hmm. and it goes wherever. What happens if you need it? Then that month, we don't have to give it. See, I, I, I get to a place in my life where I'm saying, God, this is what I'm giving, and it's non-negotiable. And I trust that if I do need it, you'll apply. You'll, you'll supply it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why I said the whole auto draft, because I mean, I just stuck it there while we first started, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, until I, to figure out where I'm going to land, right? Cause I hear you. We I started know. going, and it's like, I'm not doing anything for here. They're doing yeah. something for me, but I'm not giving them anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, so I, think, I just picked a number. I think more than anything, God wants our heart. In today's society, our world has made money our heart. And think about it people live only for the sole purpose. Of gaining money. When if it wasn't for gaining money, why would I even live? Yeah. It has been so attached to us. And, and just like I learned when I was a kid is, Lord, I want to give you my, I want to give you all of me my heart. And if this is an area where I can give you my heart, then I'm going to give it to you. If this is another area where I can give you my heart, I'm going to give it to you. And I wish that that was the message that went out before people rather than the minutia of religion and politics and I have to do this to get approval before God. I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this and it's not. Lord, I get to give you some of me. And so... Um, but even if you need them... So let's just say, for example, you want to give $2,000 a month away, right? And you stay true to that. But then something drastic in your life happens like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And that's a big amount of money for yeah. anybody. So it's like you need that to fix your AC or something. Yeah. Like you still give it out? Well, so... The, the, Julian, my wife and I, from the very beginning, has said, God, we're giving you 10%. Not, not of the what I actually get in my check, but what I get paid for. You get 10% non-negotiables. It happens right away, first off the bat, do it. As a matter of fact, I used to, um, my, uh, the church used to give people, or actually it was even before the church, I used to get paid, um, you know, the options of uh, auto draft or old school check. I used to always ask for the old school check because I wanted to go to the clerk get paid, and count out my 10% right there and cash the rest. The clerk began, her name is Lisa, Bank of America, right there. She's still there. Uh, she's been there for like 15 years, Lisa, Bank of America. She said, why do you do this? Because I want to know, God, this belongs to you, and I trust you with it. So my wife and I, 10%, uh, still to this day, the church said, you know what, um, please stop doing that. We need to put everybody on <laughs> on, uh, on direct deposit. So, but, so, but as soon as it goes in, we have a, as soon as it hits, we, we go in there, we, we, we give our 10%. So if I answer your question, if I have $2,000, um, then I have other things that come in my need, well, automatically 10% is out of the question. 
But then life happens. So now I can be responsible with the budget to budget the rest of my life accordingly with the responsibility. The other 90% saying, okay, how do I figure these things out? I need some wisdom. I need to do this. I maybe, and let's be honest, life is happening. And so um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not riding in no Lambo. So I, I have life and I have financial needs in myself. I got to process, but it is processing and how to balance and how to budget the 90%, the 10% is non-negotiable. Now, when I not, you're right. Well, instead of giving this much to, uh, there's an organization, matter of fact, recently that my wife and I stopped giving to. And uh, we love those people, but we had to make some financial decisions. So we had to say, you know what? We're not giving to them. But nonetheless, the, the 10% is non-negotiable. We said, God, I trust you. And to, honestly, my wife and I give more than that. And um, some years it's been 13. Some years it's been 14. Um, I've just decided, God, we're going to get to a place, like I mentioned, with the drinking and other things. I've decided once. I made the decision. I don't need to worry about what happens that week or that month or that year. This decision's already made. Now, I may not give above it. Yeah. I may budget around it. I may be wise around it, but the 10% to me is not. I necessary. mean, whatever. I've given money away or done anything. I just I don't even look at a percentage. You know, mm -hmm. it's not about what I brought. It's like, here, this is what I have. Yeah. You know? And, 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 and on, script, scripturally, we see that too. Matter of fact, the story where Jesus was watching some lady and uh, she gave all she had. And um, Jesus begins to tell the people who are listening to him, he goes, that lady there gave more than all of you because she gave what she has. And so yeah. the, the, the heart there, Walter, I'm not even going to, like me even in this moment, I'm going to critique you there because um, there are people who give 10%, but it, it is so casual and so automatic, they don't even know they're doing it. Yeah. And then who's who's the better giver? Who 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 who, who, who feels more? Mm -hmm. Right, right. And uh, and uh, it's one of those type of things where it's like, yeah, uh, I don't, I don't know. I I wanted to be reminded how much the pain the sting was for me to give to God, and I, and it's like, what I don't want to give to God that which cost me nothing. Yeah. It's not it's not giving if it if it's not if right. it's not costing it's me. It's not truly sacrifice. No, it's just it's easy. It's, and then, but that's but money. That's what my time. That's what my talent. My treasure. But should it be looked at as a sacrifice? Um. I think it should be looked at as, as sacrifice and obedience and as love and as generosity. But the Bible talks about all the time, you know, if you love me, you obey me. Um, the Bible told Sam, uh, Saul, don't, uh, obedience is better than sacrifice. You know, I, I think it should be looked at all those type of, all those things. I think they're all involved in that. Gotcha. Yeah. What's that noise? Somebody started the truck. Oh, I, thought I, neighbors. I thought it was Gates' big old truck I saw out there. <laughs> that was, was, was Julian's Lambo out there. <laughs> hey, it's being delivered. What do you mean? What do you mean? That's a, no, that's a... The auto started in the Lambo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Ferrari guy. <laughs> it's too I, mean, I, I mean, you know, that's just money. But, I mean, there's so much more you can do in obedience and is, is time and the word yeah. and... I find most people it's easier to give money than time. Yeah, well, that's it's it's kind of like uh you know for a long time it's like I give my kids what they wanted like growing up you know whether we had it or not it's like I wanted to have it I grew up that way too. Mm -hmm. My dad didn't give me the time because he, he worked all the time and it's like they had all the stuff right. But then you know that's how this podcast formed, you know through this whole process of like wow, you can you know my wife's love language is not gifts and she'll remind me like stop buying me stuff, mm -hmm. you know and I'm like. It's like, I want you. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, I want the time, you know? I want to feel loved. I want these things. And I'm just like, you know, now, like, the gifts are less. And now it's like, but this is just to show you, like, 
this is your importance to me. What I would say to someone who's listening and say, okay, where, where, where do I begin? What do I do? Uh, I can't give 10%. I, I would say give what you can. And wherever you are, uh, trust God and grow and take a step. If it's first month and um, you're giving 1%, we we'll say, I don't even know what 1% is. Then, then I would challenge you, know, know what 1% is. Because even if you're not making money, you want to ask God to, for an increase. If you don't know where you are, how are you going to ask God for grow, growing more? I remember right. one time I'm saying, saying, God, help me with this. And God's like, well, do you know how much you're asking me for? Well, help me to pay down my loan. Well, how much is your loan for? Uh, I, think, I think there's a responsibility to that. So I would say to somebody, wherever, if, you, if, you, if you struggle with that, number one, ask God to increase your trust in him. Number two, start somewhere. Start, start somewhere, and then, and then once you get to that place, have a goal to, to grow and trust a little bit more, and mm -hmm. have a goal to trusting a little bit more. Maybe you start at 1%, 2%, and you work your way up. And for those of you who are giving 10%, and it costs you nothing, maybe you should reconsider. Yeah. Right? And so I, I, think, I think, once again, we got, we got to look outside the lines that have been set up by church and society and politics and, yeah. and figure out how God can grow us. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Did I answer your question, Gabe? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I think it's just tough, especially like just how the world is. And then, you know, most people do work a regular job. You know, some of us in this room are blessed to you know, do what we love and excel at certain things. But the the average raise for people is like nowhere near ten percent, even yearly. Yeah, and they already just struggle. Yeah, paycheck might, to paycheck. You might get a fifty cent raise. That's like the average raise. Yeah, and I mean, I think you know it just I mean? goes back to you know, well, but let's, give give what you can. But, but yeah. I think I think that the reality there's a, there's another component of that that we gotta we gotta bring in the conversation is that I do think when I obey and I give God access there's power there and so it's almost it's not only it's not just that oh I'm giving because God says so I think there is a factor involved that when I give God access to my life He has access to it He He, he does better than I can do and so for for those who are struggling who do sacrificially do those things because the, the income is not matching the, uh, the economy and the rates that are going up. I right. do think that God is able to give a supernatural power for those who are obedient. Right. I'm, not, I'm not saying it's like, oh, you give, you get blessed or the prosperity gospel. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not completely saying that, but I, do, I am saying that those who put their life in God's hands, God holds them. Sure. Right. So I mean, so I kind of want to go into a question. You know, you talk about obedience and and all these different things, and it's like, what about people who are you know they're not in your position, right? They're still they're not even in their faith yet. They believe in God, yep. right? But they don't you, don't. you don't know what that means, right? Like, I, and I can say that, like for me, like I, I believe in God. Yeah, you know, was what, that was my journey before. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize how limiting that was. Yeah. Right. But like so, but the people that can believe. And aliens and ghosts, but but they can't believe in God because it's like I can't see God, mm -hmm. right? You know they don't. And you know there's obviously ways once you start coming in your faith that you sure. see them. Sure. But it's like, how do you talk to people like that? Like, not you know not in like a judgmental way, but like a way to make them understand like it's not about you know seeing. Yeah. Well, and I and I think that I would bring into the 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 equation. You know, I, I believe that all of us are built with a, a disposition, a, a understand, a feeling of God. Now, we may not always articulate that way, but when we see something wrong that we know is wrong, we can't, like, I just know that's wrong. 
we have our conscience, and our conscience leads us and guides us into things, and and the, it's, it's 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 that spirit soul that is deeper than the flesh. Sure. So I would tell somebody who is like, well, I struggle to believe in what I don't see. Then I would say, okay, can can you believe in what you feel? Because if we look at the world and look at the society and we look at all that's going on, some of us feel something's not right. And then if I give an answer to the answer, okay, what if I tell you that, that the, the creator also senses that? And he, there's, a, there's an answer for that which is not right. That's Jesus. And that answer is not just today so you have money for your bills, you have food on your table. But the answer is when he comes back, he's going to make it right for all eternity. And that he is going to defeat the sin in which you feel. I would, I would talk to him about not what you see, but can you transition your heart to feeling? And then, okay, okay, well, then I, 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 no, I can't get to what I feel. I can't get past what I see. Okay, then, then I, let's talk about what you know. And then we talk about education. We talk about knowledge. And that's where a lot of intellectuals go to the world and science, and they, they, go, they battle back and forth. Um, but if we, if we really start thinking about some of those things, we could see that science and faith are not really in opposition. They really line up. And we start acquiring knowledge of who God is and what, what the Bible says he is. And, and all of a sudden, knowledge begins to get faith. Then you can start feeling him. And then now that you're open, then you, then you see. I think sometimes faith becomes before the vision, not vision before faith. We got, that's the nature of faith. The Bible says is that we, um, we believe when we don't see. Faith is having to be able to have faith when you don't see the um, it's the belief in the unseen. That's the nature of faith. Yeah. And then it's small faith, so God give me more faith. So I would say, uh, can you transition to feeling that in? Uh, because, um, you know, I, I, I mean, we believe things we don't see all the time. But, sure. but it, there's, a, there's a feeling there. And if I really talk to someone's heart and they... They get past the Christian who pissed them off. They get past the. They get past I mean, that's the, a fair one, right? They yeah. get they get yeah. past the Christian who's judgmental and hypocritical, and we get past the people, yeah, who failed them. Well, people do. Yeah. They they get a bad taste in their mouth at some yeah. point over religion, or yeah. you know, like people that are raised in certain you know religious environments growing up too. Yeah, you know, then they walk away from the church when they're yeah. adults. They're like, ah, that no. Nah. Yeah, but if I can take that person and say, okay, let's get past people who failed you, and let's talk about a God that's bigger than people. Sure. Right, and then we can start tra transitioning things because, you know, most people say this, that most Christians are not a Christian because they met a Christian. You know, it's just, um, but people fail, and I think we put too much pressure on the fact that Christians are going to be some type of saints where God's going to live. No, no, no. Uh, that's the nature <laughs> of Jesus. That's why He came, and that's why He's going to come again. And I think it's just the knowledge of that education of that experience, and then, and then that's what we said about the money. There's something. God is real, and so when you start, when you start feeling Him, you'll sense it, and you'll feel it, and then um, you can't argue. You can't argue with what you know in your heart and what you feel in this world, and then then you start seeing it. Yeah, I always make a point of like natural instincts, like yeah. even animals and humans, right? Like a calf comes out, it can't walk right, it learns how to walk, or some animals can walk already, right? Yep. Um, when we get scared, we have natural instincts. Yep. Even when I talk to somebody who says they don't believe in God, I said, when you have a really bad moment in life or you're scared, yep. have you ever prayed before or your natural instinct was to ask God for help? They're like, well, yeah. I'm like, there you go. Well, I got, <laughs> It's your natural instinct to ask God for help. Yeah, especially when someone get, get pissed off. You know, you, yeah. you hear people say, uh, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Yeah. yeah. Or uh, there's some other ones I can't say on mic. Yeah. Uh, but but most even when they get scared, it's like it's like why why oh God or 
And they throw some other ones in there. Why is that your natural instinct? Why is that your natural instinct? You're born with that. You, your first you go-to is... I agree with you. I Come agree with you, on, Gabe. Baby, let's I, I like agree with you. I was telling you about yeah. where you, there's that little piece inside you, no matter what, like, you, like, you get to question it, mm -hmm. you know? Like, no matter what you yeah. know or, or you see. And who, and who, who told those people to, 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 to your first response is to, is, to, is to yell out Jesus Christ or, oh, God, oh, my God, right. oh, my right. God, oh, my right. God. Yeah. Like who? That's, that's not nobody. Or ask a higher, a higher power for help at that moment. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. I mean it's <laughs> so. But so that's but that's what I'm saying. Like those, it's, it's things like that that kind of say, okay, something, something's something's bigger. Something. Yeah. And then once we are willing, then we can let the spirit of God open open our open our hearts and minds. Right. Yeah. I mean that's what I always like too. Like when I, you know, you always see the like things happen. People like prayers and you know like all that. Thoughts and prayers, and then like, but then you'll you'll like look a celebrity does it on Twitter or something like that, and it's like you looked at their atheist, you know, and I'm like, I'm just I'm laughing at it myself because I'm just like, okay, it's just a thing to say in that scenario. Well, exactly, but I'm like, you know, why would you even be bothered if you know there's sure. nothing to pray about? Yeah, and uh, why does it affect you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, be like, oh, I'm sorry. I mean, yeah. that's different than saying prayers. Yeah, and I'm just like, okay, it's it's it's. There's so many things. Yeah, you know, I wanna, I wanna, I'm gonna. I have a few things I want. Let's do it. Let's go deep. Let's go crazy. So I wanna, I want. First <laughs> yeah. off, let's. I want to talk about your favorite scripture. Okay. Like, I'm so new to scripture, and then and it's cool because like sometimes I'll I'll say something to him and it's like scripture and I'm like, dude, I don't even think I read that. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, how does that happen? You know, that has to be a difficult question for a pastor. No, it's not. No, I got two of them. On the, I can. I got well, that's two not one. We said one. <laughs> Well, the, the one is not positive for a podcast to encourage people. I'm gonna fit in that judgment category real quick. On one, but I, I, I can say it. So uh, let me let me first say this. I think um, I, I love the fact that you're getting involved in scripture. Like if I look at this world and uh, I do a lot of marriage counseling, a lot of counseling, and I got to a place where it's like, you know what? I have some good wisdom to help people, but what people really need is the word of God. And we're we're, we're quick to living in a society where God's word has become opinion for people and suggestion rather than truth. And when the opinion and suggestion takes over truth, then we have people out there doing what they want in the name of God. And that's how we get those Christians who are doing whatever they want because they're not living to truth. And so at some place, we got to get back to God's word. So I love the fact that you're doing that because not only is it education or stories, there's life and power in the word of God. Yeah. Uh, so my favorite, my, my favorite Bible verse is Titus 1.16. It says they claim to know God, but by their deeds they deny Him, being detestable and unfit for anything good. Mm. That's why I wanted to give you two. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> they claim to know God, but by their deeds they deny Him. And, and the reason right. why that's one of my favorites is it's always on my mind. I don't want to just talk about God. I want to know Him, and I want to know Him through my life and my actions. And right. I never want to get to a place where I'd say I'd, I know Him, but I don't. I don't want to know about him where I can quote facts and stories and this and that, but not know the person of our Heavenly Father who has made himself available. And that, that comes back down to just uh, walking with him. And when, and I, when you say Heavenly Father, are you referring to Jesus himself? Oh, great question. No, I'm not. Okay. No, when I say Heavenly Father, I'm talking about our Creator. Now we get into the Trinity and we can get into some of those things. And uh, I, I love to, I want to get back to my other, my other favorite question here, but I'll answer this real quick. See, that's why I asked that because, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get you, I get you, Gabe. Um, you know, I think the nature of the, the complexity of God is, is, here's how I see it God the Father is um, the creator, the one, it's been there. 
because he loves us so much, he wanted to create a way for us to be with him. So the only way that happens is him. He had to come in the flesh. That's Jesus. Uh, are they separate? Is it equal? Are they greater? Well, Jesus himself prayed to the Father when he was, right. when he was in flesh. Right. Um, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2. And that's, um, that's why it always separated for me. When he was on the, cry, on the cross, he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Yeah, and, and he was quoting, well, yes, quoting uh, Psalm 42. But the, yeah. he, he, he called God the Father. Right. But then when he went up to the heavens, he said, I'm going to send you a comforter, the Spirit. So wait in Acts chapter 2, and that's the Holy Spirit, yeah. which is now God in us. Right. The, the spirit of Jesus in us, Romans 8, 11, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Right. And so we, we find they're all natures of God. But when we are here on this earth, we are, we're, not, we're, not, we're dealing with God the Father who right. we pray to. Like so, that. so that's why that's why that's my layman's no, term, I and, love, I love and people answer, watching bro. people watching and be like, man, that's theologically kind of squared. And and if we if we want to get into different circles and talk, but it's so honest, but, bro. Like some but, people are so scared to answer it like that. You um, know what I mean? Yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's I always looked at you know same thing like three and one. Yeah, yeah. you know, and it's the understanding that how how is that three and one was we got we got understanding that Jesus was here on the earth as a man, and then when he left, the Spirit dwells inside of us, like the. We say, well, Jesus dwells in my heart. Well, the Holy Spirit dwells in me, in my right. spirit. Uh, the Bible talks about putting his spirit in our spirit. That's his spirit. And, and, and people say, well, how do, how do I know that? Well, that's what says your conscience. Right. And now, some are you saying the Holy Spirit is Jesus, or are you saying that's the creator? Well, the, well Jesus is Jesus. I, I, you got you to get my flow. It was, a whole, it was God the Father, right. right? It was him living in existence. And he sent Jesus in flesh. Jesus is not in flesh no more. He ascended into heaven, and now we're talking spiritually. Now he sent down the Holy Spirit, and so I think we know. I'm after, not, you're saying afterwards. After Jesus, so I'm okay. not. I'm not saying that the spirit, that the Jesus is no. Jesus was flesh. He was right. flesh that died on the cross for our. So what's your definition of the Holy Spirit? What uh, is it? I would say it's the Spirit of Jesus dwelling inside of us. Okay. So when we say the spirit, it's more like the tendencies of of God uh, in, in a way. I mean, there's different pillars: yeah. soul, spirits. I mean, it's. The spirit, like the essence, right? Like the great, like great the, questions. Great questions. Like if you like you come here, right? Your spirit filled the room of Julian. So when I go live my day today, mm -hmm. you kind of influence that. Well, in I way. pray you don't feel the spirit of Julian right now. <laughs> but you know what I mean, though. like that vibe, right? So yeah. we said the Holy Spirit is. I would like, say his nature, yeah. his being. Okay. Yeah. His so presence. his essence, in a way, his essence. I like the word essence. Gotcha. I like the word essence. Yeah. And I'm asking these questions. I know the answer to a lot of these questions, but yes, well, I know people who don't know anything. Or, yeah, no, we're, we're rolling because I, I, what I happens. I want them to learn. Yeah, you know what, what happens is, um, and this is why, I, you know, Walt, Walter and I came to know each other because we those spiritual things, spirit things. Right. And uh, I like talking about spirit things because I believe the spirit of God in me, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in me, Romans 8, 11, is greater than the spirits around me. And more than ever, we live in a hyper-spiritual world where people are tuned now to today of the two realms of life. We have natural, we have spiritual. There's things going on we don't see more than ever before. But I really believe that the spirit in me is greater than the things around me. So I, I, I like to pray. I don't, I don't always pray against things. I pray for things. Father, dwell in me rather than repelling the things around me. Right, because that's almost giving it power. Yeah, but let me go back to my, I want to go back. Because there is another favorite verse I have. Okay. So first one was Titus 1.16. Um, that's depressing. 
<laughs> repeat that one more time. Almost so if we can cut into this again to where your favorite two. All right. Repeat so, that first one. So my favorite verse is Titus 116. It's pretty challenging. It says, uh, they claim to know God, but by their deeds, they deny him being detestable, disobedient, and unfit. And I like that because I don't want to be unfit. Um, but my second favorite verse is a little bit more lighter. And it, 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 it's, it's my favorite for a lot of reasons, but it talks about the gospel. And uh, it's 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says, he who knew no sin became sin on my behalf that I might become the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus, who became, who didn't know sin, became sin on my behalf, taking my sin so I can become righteous and be with God. He who knew no sin became sin on my behalf that I might become the righteousness of God in him. And that's in the, um, that's quoted from the New American Standard Bible and uh, um, Bible versions, whatever Bible version you will read is the right one. So um, I know a lot of people are King James only, but. Um, that's the new king. That's the new American standard. But that's my favorite Bible verse. Eric, yeah, um, I'm interested to see what what questions you have, bro. I don't know. I'm just taking it all in. You know, I'm I've never really been a, a religious guy, so I'm just kind of. That's why I want to hear some questions, bro. Come on, some questions. Let's go. Uh, all right. Is there is there a wrong way to pray? Great question. No. Uh, when we talk about prayer, I think prayer, in essence, is conversation. It's talking. Hmm, but you, you, like you said a little prayer before we started the podcast. Uh -huh. And, you know, I've always heard kind of that. It's almost like a traditional prayer where you're, you know, Heavenly Father, thank you for this, for this. Yeah. What if you're just, are you allowed to just talk in your head and what put you, in your heart you're talking to God? Oh, you're about to open a box for me. Am I? <laughs> open that box. <laughs> I'm about to open a box. Oh, okay. I, I, but, you know, I, I, I got to back up. Okay. So most people pray that way because Jesus when um, he was when he's on the earth, his disciples came. Hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray like you do. Mm -hmm. And in that model prayer, he began with uh, Heavenly Father. And so there's a model there that exists in that. When we when you go to seminary, you go to places of training, they teach you. When we, when you even if you talk to someone, you want to introduce you and welcome. I think that's inviting. And so when I say Heavenly Father, what I'm doing is um, a lot of things. Number one, I'm addressing him. Number two, I'm acknowledging his position. And, and, and then three, I'm acknowledging my position, not as a, a servant, but as a son. Mm -hmm. So there's a relationship there. And so, Father, I'm coming to you. I'm, I'm talking to you. Uh, and when, when I pray, I want to acknowledge his greatness. Then I want to go to gratitude. I don't want to just ask for things. I want to, But those are things I've learned to grow my relationship, not because mm -hmm. it's right or wrong. Uh, so can someone just talk to God in the middle of whatever, and it sounds like whatever? I, I think prayer is talking to God. And that's not be fancy, even as God helped me. Uh, I need you, or um, some of us in frustration can curse and be mad at God. I think all those are forms of prayer. I don't mm -hmm. think prayers just have to be at church. You have to be ritualistic saying these magic words. Right. Prayer is not magical words, although it has magical power, mm -hmm. miracle power. So let me open my box. Um, my box is when I train, talk to people who trust and say, okay, let's take a journey of growing with God. I like to tell people to pray out loud. Um, can God hear our prayers? Matter of fact, I think He can. I think He hear the. I think God hears the inner dimensions of our heart. Matter of fact, that's one of the things that I wish people understood is that we are accountable to our inner thoughts, and we are accountable to our inner motives. And I think a lot of times people think just because I think it and don't say it, or I feel it, or it's my motive, then I'm not wrong. But I, I, I rather I, I want to teach people 
that God sees your motives and he hears your thoughts. So with that foundation, I was saying we can pray in our hearts. We can pray in our minds. But there is power when, I, when, I, when I'm in the shower or when I'm in the car or when it's just me and I open my mouth to talk to God. Uh, is it greater? Probably not. Is it, is it more likely to be heard? Probably not. But my soul does my body good to hear me pray. Mm. And there's something about being able to have a thought that goes to my words and makes articulation that helps me process faith. Sure. And so I would tell somebody who's wanting to learn how to pray, it's like, don't worry about what you're saying, just say it. Um, don't worry about what you're doing, just, just do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, you know, because if, even if I love my wife, I don't just, uh, even if I love my wife and I really love her and she looks good and I say, and I type this all the time, I get in trouble for all the time. Man, she looks good today. I say it just in my mind. I don't say it out loud, but I'm like, hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and then later on, my wife said, "You didn't say anything about my dress." I said, "Yeah, it looked really good, it looked banging." Yeah. She didn't say anything. You didn't articulate it. I didn't articulate it. And there's something about when believers get up and just talk to God, and and I, and I think that that would do a lot of um, a lot of. Um, and I'm not, even, I'm not even I'm not even trying to get theological with it, like because we can people have their responses, but I'm not even trying to get into the Bible or any. And I can pull verses out if you want, or I can talk about. I'm just saying that it does it does my 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 spiritual walk good for me to talk. But the reality is most people, that's a big journey, it's a big step of faith. Mm -hmm. Even in isolation, even just by themselves, it is a big step of faith for them to vocalize uh talking to God. That's why they gotta do it. Mm -hmm. It's it's a big step of faith to be around other people and say, Well, let me let me pray, and it's a big step of faith. And and uh that's why I think it's so important. I would say talk to God. And when we do begin to do that, all of a sudden we begin to feel it moves from religion to relationship. It begins to move from uh, legalism to, and I've used this word several times on purpose today, intimacy. Knowing God, knowing Him and letting Him know you and, and moving on past the religion and the walks and this and that. It's beginning to talk to Him and talk about what do we talk about. We talk about anything. I talk about my joys, my wants, my pains. Now, then the more I do it, the more I realize it's wrong for me just to go to God with what I want. Mm -hmm. That's a bad relationship. Sure. I don't just go to somebody and expect my relationship to grow with them because I'm, every time I call him, he's wanting something from me. If, it, if, if every time I call somebody and I just, I'm asking for things, they're not going to pick up. Hell no, I wouldn't either. The relationship's going to change. Yeah. Now, luckily, God is not a man where he's, he's going to forsake us, but it's not going to be a good relationship. The intimacy of me and God is on me, not him. So I talked to him and I, I talked about how I'm feeling. And then I start talking to him, okay, God, what do you want to do? What are you doing here, God? What do you want to say? And I and I and I then all of a sudden there's a conversation relationship and then conversation relationship builds deeper relationship, and then you start knowing God not just about God you start knowing Him as a being as a person, and as an, and letting His essence fill you, mm. and then that's how, that's that's faith that's mm -hmm. Christianity, and a lot of people in this world are lacking that we're lacking that, and then all of a sudden you start you blend that with getting in the Word of God and all of a sudden you read the Word of God and. You're reading it says, okay, forgive your brother. It's like, man, what? God, how do I forgive? And he tells you, he gives you power to forgive. And you finally do it. Now you're walking in obedience. And you mix conversation, prayer with obedience. And all of a sudden, you've got relationship. And then you start putting God's word in your prayers. Lord, your word says, and all of a sudden, his words are just like, are more powerful than my words. Matter of fact, the Bible says in um, Genesis Everything that exists is because he spoke it to be. There's power in his words. So not only am I praying my words, 
Lord, your word says in Philippians 4.13, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Well, right now I can't handle this person. Well, I can't handle this job. I can't handle this stress. But God, I trust you. Your word says I can do all things, Lord, in you. So God, in you, would you be in me? Help me do this. God, you said, not me. And so the, the, so the answer to your question, is there a wrong way to pray? No, but there are better ways to pray. Mm-hmm. There are more effective ways to pray. There are great ways to pray. Not, not to get things done, but to foster relationships. Are there bad conversations to happen? Uh, Kind of, but are there better conversations? Yeah. Uh, We teach all people all the time how to grow in relationship, how to be better uh, marketers, how to be better in communicating, how to be better in all these things and all these ways. That's because we have learned the art and skill of growing in relationship, but we just don't, we just don't, we just don't uh, treat that with God. Right. You know, I started, excuse me, I started to realize that when at church with the singing, Mm-hmm. You know, the days that I'd be like kind of in like a bad mood, right? Something went down and it's like I'm not really feeling it, but I'm like I'm going to church because that's what I'm going to do. And I don't sing. It's like it's nothing is better. But like I put myself in positions on the same types of days and I start singing out loud. And it's like the entire thing changes for me, right? Yeah. And it's like I that's what that's how I interpret what you're saying. Like that's when I started learning about like when I'm in the truck going home, it's like, my conversations, like like you and I, mm-hmm. it's like it's like yeah, what? I mean, come on, you know what I mean? Like it's like, and it's not even like formal. It's like God, yeah, seriously, yeah. Like I know I can't understand your greater plan, but is that out loud or in your head? It's out loud. Yeah. Like I do. I mean, when I'm in private, right? Because obviously I'm not walking down the street, you know. Like mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I mean, there are times. Don't get me wrong. Well, the way the way I say it was is pray out loud, but not loudly. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's a difference between praying loud and out loud. Yeah. So I mean, there's something about forming, but I'm with you with singing. There's power in song. Well, I, I had a really tough time at the beginning of this, like getting into singing, but not like me singing, but like didn't the I church sing singing. Some, did I send you some songs? You did. Oh, dude, I can't get off. Like, like I have Phil Wickham right now, like on repeat, and like <laughs> I, I, we're, we're going to his concert on. Uh, that's dope. On uh, the second, but it's like, and it's like I have a hard time, like because I love rap and I love country and I love all this. I have a really hard time going backwards. <laughs> You know, every now and then I'll be like, you know what, just listen to something else. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I'm like, all right, back in. Yeah. But it's like, my conversation just like, in the truck. Just mm-hmm. like as if I'm on speakerphone. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I've noticed, like even in church too, like when I start singing, I feel like the room itself starts changing. Like you can tell like, like sometimes when the church is full and sometimes it's not, it's a whole different vibe. But you start seeing people more active. And it's like the whole room just feels different than like my relationship. And then that's when I start hearing the conversation. Maybe you're just more receptive. It might just be me at that moment, but yeah. because I'm changing my thought process of like. Well, I think it's both. I think it's both. Because if we, if we get into the word, the Bible talks about how he inhabits the praises of his people. And I talked about how we can be uh, in his presence, but he can be not welcome. One of the ways I think we can welcome him is by engaging our heart in his praise. And that brings a level of his presence down. So, uh, yes, I do think the atmosphere changes when you when you engage in worship. But I also think what you're saying, Eric, happens too, is that we're more open to him, yeah. which is almost greater reason to do it. Right. Because now I can be more open to him, not just at church, but I could be more open to him on Thursday when I just got in an argument with my wife. Or I could be more open to him when I had that business meeting I'm going to go to or I'm fighting depression on my own. Sure. I can now bring his openness and opening my heart to him. 
Well, and that's church. what I tell a lot of people too. Like, you know, like we're like, where do I start? And I'm like, well, let's start with a conversation. I was like, you know, I said, even if you think you're talking to yourself, I said you're not. So just start talking out loud. Same thing you're doing in your head already, right? Those thoughts you have in your head, just throw them out, mm-hmm. throw them out there, you know. And it's it's really a conversation because we we second guess ourselves, we we pep ourselves up, we do this, we do that, all in our head anyway. So put it out there and do a conversation with God and kind of see where it goes. You do that. It's like that 30-day challenge stuff I was talking about. Like you, For 30 days, you just change and do something a little different. And that was my transition in church, too. Like, you know how they have all the words on the screen, and it's like we start singing. And it's like I was quiet for the first few weeks. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know these words, and I'm singing in my head. But like when I started just doing it out loud, even when I did not know the songs or I'm not a fan of the song or something like that, right, it didn't matter. I just started singing. And it's like the whole vibe for me changed and the feeling that I had inside. Yeah. And, uh, and that's where, like, that spirit just blows yeah, up. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of studies out there about the power of music. And I, I, I'm, not the, I'm not the type of person who tells a Christian he only can listen to Christian music. I, I don't say that. However, I don't only listen, I only listen to Christian music. And it, it, it only comes, it comes down to what feeds my soul. Sure. Right? It comes down to there's, there's, there's power of music. And matter of fact, we've heard even mainstream with uh, Kanye talking about the frequencies, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, and how, the, how music has power that people don't realize, and um, it just and I'm not even trying to get into debate, but what if we take that same thoughts and apply it to the church, yeah, and uh, being able to sing songs not just about me, but sing songs about him, sure, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, and since you brought up Kanye, I mean, you I've noticed like a shift, like, and I don't. And I ask, I ask Eric and, and stuff all the time. Like he's a big Kanye fan. Is it because you're like paying attention Eric, now? But like the, <laughs> uh, I know but like, is, but like the shift to, you know, you see the shift in celebrities, right? Like uh-huh. Kat Von D and Black China. They're now getting baptized and removing tattoos. Some are covering up tattoos. Like, have you seen any of that? Yeah, I've seen a lot of Philadelphia Eagles players get saved too. Yeah, uh, and I mean, like, there's, it's, it's, I'm, a, I'm an Eagles fan. It's, 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 it's wild, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I don't, you know, my wife and I will often talk. Like, is it just because we're paying attention now, or is like, is there's this shift, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I see someone like Kat Von D, right, you go from the occult and the witchcraft to like, all like, like she literally started burning the yoga books too, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like. And some people won't understand what that means, but it's like everything's mm-hmm. connected in, in different spiritual ways. And she's like full, you know, I only mm-hmm. need my relationship with Jesus now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, like, what is your thoughts? Like, you yeah. see like a pivotal shift? Or? Yeah, I got, I got quite a bit of thought there. So let me first by say uh, what you see publicly has probably been taking place privately. For quite some time. Yeah. We are just seeing those people give their heart to Jesus. Sure. but. There are thousands of people who are encountering his presence that we don't see. And I think we always got to be a voice for the person who's not recognizing the room. And right now, with all that's going on in society, the world, what's happening across seas, the, the pain in our own country, um, I think as evil, the realities of evil is increasing. The realities of God's goodness also increases. And as people are looking for answers and finding, okay, what is truth? Well, the truth will prevail, and people are just encountering God. And it goes back to not what they're seeing, it's what they're feeling. Sure. And uh, so I, I would say with, with the celebrities, I, I praise God that celebrities are being bold in their faith, but uh, it's happening because it's, it, there's a move of God's spirit as evil increases, so will God's grace. And I believe as the longer, the closer we get to the end times, and I don't know when they are, I'm not going to try to pretend like I know that, 
but whenever we the closer we get and as things get darker to Christ's return it just makes sense that he would reveal himself to people and people would press in yeah it makes sense that his presence will come down in times where there's darkness around and because this as much as the dark gets darker we're going to need some light to get lighter and i think we're seeing the effects of that sure. and it's it's crossing the mainstream of uh, of the, the main the main lines and so i just think that those are those are results of that and people who are mm. like like Kat Von D or someone else who has uh, been on the other side of that and it didn't fulfill or satisfy and they found what does, now they're going to be vocal about it. So. And I mean, hers is like the most powerful one for me because I look at, you know, she's dealing with witchcraft and the cult. And then like, you know, my testimony doesn't necessarily have to deal with witchcraft and the cult, but it has to deal with spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I know she had to go through a lot of stuff yep. to make the change of her lifestyle. I yep. mean, from because yep. she lived every ounce of what she was worshiping at the time, you know, from you know blood red pool to certain types of tattoos, you know, in relations with certain types of people. Yep. And I'm just like, you know, I'm waiting. She she says she's gonna do a podcast where she talks about her testimony, right? Mm -hmm. But she's like, I don't want to be a staple of the Christian community. That's not what I'm here. Yep. I'm just gonna let people understand. Yep. Because she's she said a lot of her fans are actually like supporting her. It's actually people in the Christian world who are like judging her, and I feel really bad for that. You know, I'm like, you know, but like you said, it's you can't group them all together. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm over here like rooting her on. Like this yeah, is me too. This is beautiful. Me too. You know, I can't wait to hear the story because I'm like, I know she had to go through some stuff. Yeah. And because I've I've gone through quite a bit of stuff in my life, but I can sit down and my wife and I were like, this goes back years mm -hmm. for us, like without even knowing. Yeah. And so like what. You know, without going in, in depth, but like spiritual warfare, I've noticed like all the different churches I've gone to and attended, it's kind of like a, it's taboo. Like people don't talk about it. Yeah. Like, like what are your thoughts? Like is spiritual warfare a real thing? Yeah, 100% it's a, war th it's a real thing. And I think it's a, it's a real thing because we live on two planes. There's a heavenly plane, there's an earthly plane. What we can see, what we can't see. And then we, we're so used to seeing um, what, what's right before our eyes and thinking that that is it. And uh, we forget that there are other things going on. And so um, even when you read the word of God, I mean, one of the most famous passages of spiritual warfare is Ephesians chapter 6. Um, you got a great story in Daniel where Daniel was praying and, and he, had, he had his own impact of spiritual warfare. I'll, here's how I define spiritual warfare is that there's a fight for good and evil that you can't see. Sure. And there are people fighting that battle that we don't know. Um, and now we can grow and know more about that in the Word of God. But the names and terms, the interchange, they may be some scary, some not, but it deals with evil versus good. Things we, uh, people playing, people fighting that we just don't know, recognize. So uh, I definitely believe in spiritual warfare. Now, but I believe, I believe there's weapons. I think mean, we have weapons. I think we have prayer. I think we have things of that nature. Um, but I do think there's evil in this world, and then uh, and it's quickly it's trying to combat the things of our God. Well, it's like it's like, uh, and I always refer back to Derek because he's the one who listens to me. You know, he's he's the most unbiased, judgmental person I know, like non-judgmental. And it's like, plus I've been by your side for the past decade. Yeah, so it's like he he's seen my transgression here, like he's seen everything about me, and you know, it's like I've had a family member be like, "Are you on drugs?" Yep, I'm like. Yeah. But, you know, if you can't, 
if you cannot live persecution from the inside of your family, you're definitely not going to live it from the outside of your family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had, I've had both. Right. And I'm like, that's fine. Yeah. I don't care. You know, cause that's not important to me. Yeah. You know? And, but it's like, you know, I, I get really excited and, and I tell him this and he's like, he probably doesn't understand something because he's, his walk's different. But like, I get super excited reading the scriptures and it's like, you talk about Daniel, right? And it's like, you know, going through a lot of the things I was going through spiritual warfare wise, I ended up with like tattoos of lions, right? Mm-hmm. And different things that like I've equated back to things. But the book of Daniel, when, when, when Gabriel gets to Daniel and he says that it took him 21 days Right, he had to get past the basically the Prince of Persia. Yep. Right. Then I started. I started getting excited because I'm like, which which the Prince of Persia in that in that story is a evil force. Right. But it took Ar- it Michael, right, mm-hmm. Archangel Michael, mm-hmm. you know, to basically come in and battle, mm-hmm. so he can slip away. Yep. So I'm like, dude, this is like, it's it blows your mind because it's like, yep, dude, there's it's levels of armies. Yep. And it's like there's like rules. Yep. There's there's rules that you can't understand or see, and you won't see. But I'm like, there's like a whole realm of spiritual here, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a war, and it's like you know. So I started thinking about spiritual warfare. It's like you know the, the they got their you know military, their Department of Defense. Like, dude, I get so excited because like I'll read this piece of scripture and I'm like, oh wow. You know, it's not as simple as like, hey, can you come protect me, Mr. Angel? Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, well, let, me, let me blow your mind with that, because I think when we hear spiritual warfare, we think that we as humans have less power than, those, than they do. But we live on Earth and there is power on Earth for those who inhabit Earth. And the reason why I like the story of Daniel and as he was praying 21 days and withheld uh, and him, the, Gabriel, uh, the angels were fighting is that the reason why that fight lasted was because David, uh, Daniel was praying. And we talk about prayer and why prayer is important is because prayer is how we fight the spiritual battles. And our words have impact in the heavenly spaces. And the way we fight our battle is by prayer. And it's not as if the, the demons or the angels, the good, the bad, the spiritual forces out there have power over us. We have authority over them. And how do we enact that authority that God's given us is by, by God's word, facts, and by God and by prayer, right? And the and, and the anointing levels, you know, getting anointed to certain levels, sure. you know, gives you different types of ability, mm-hmm. you know, through gifts, right? Sure. And and but that comes through relationship. Relationship, I like it through intimacy. Right? And so, um, you know, we talk about like spiritual warfare. It's it's basically you know seeing what can be seen, mm-hmm. you know most of the time comprehending what can be comprehended sure you know because it's like and and you know he does a lot of my scary stories right and it's like all right you Mm -hmm. know and i've gone through through so many spectrums and you know i hope that god leads me writing books on this stuff because i'm like it's exciting yeah it's scary but then you're like on the outside like yeah i i I like to tell i like to just quantify that um and this is why we talk about the spirit of god dwelling in us because I do, I do think he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. It's actually my favorite scripture. That is? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I was going to drop that on you in a minute to lead into my next question, but you ruined it. Oh. <laughs> God. Well, that, that's, just a, that's just the spirit of God talking. Yeah, I love that. Um, and when we, and when we, what we've identified is, so here's, a, here's words we hear 
of possession versus oppression. Uh, can Christians be possessed? Well, I, I, I don't think so. Well, because the Spirit of God dwells in me. He who knew, who knew no sin became sin on my behalf. Now I'm, right. righteous. I'm righteous in Him. And, and, uh, I've been, and, so I'm, and so, no, I, won't, I can't be possessed by another spirit because the Spirit of God's in me. But oppression, we talk about other things coming and trying to come upon me, I also think may be possible for the Christian, but the Christian has authority over that through the name of Jesus, mm -hmm. through the word of God, and through uh, really the authority that we as men have on this earth to, to pray and to make, uh, make, make moves sure. in, in, the, in the heavenly spaces. And so um, I, just, I, I like to emphasize who, who we are our position as believers, our, our believers' authority, um, the, the space we have, because all of us, including those watching this who are faith, have a level of authority. And, I, and, I, and I, that, that shouldn't be what's for us to be scared of the spiritual warfare, but to really take action, uh, take the call to pray and, and fight, yeah. and fight in it, and fight in prayer. And how do we do that? I think we just say, God, let your will be done. Sure. God, I invite you into the room. I invite you here. And, and uh, it's bringing access, opening the door for him to step in because reality is he's already fought in one. Sure. Well, and it's, it gets difficult, too, because you're battling, you know, flesh and spirit. But trying to, you know, understand what's the stronghold. What is the stronghold that that's being held upon you? Because I've broken it out even further to you have possession, right? Mm -hmm. Then you have oppression. Then you have influence. And I feel, and I had to go, that's it's a longer story, but, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like if some party's in the room oppressed or influenced, it will affect other people in the room. Sure. Depending on what, where you're at, strongholds. It's so, it's so deep. Yeah. And, uh, We're like scaring other people. We, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, but it's, it's you know, it's, and it's, it's funny because people be like, spiritual warfare, demons, this and that, then turn around and they're like, oh, you know, this house is haunted, let's go on a haunted tour. Yeah. <laughs> the same sentence. Yeah, exactly. Without, without skipping a beat. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, hmm, okay, you know. Yeah. But in my, and that's why I get excited. But it's like, so like my favorite scripture, right? He is in me. You know, is greater than he is in the world. Makes me start thinking about that and other scriptures that that hell is metaphorical. The that earth is actually hell, mm -hmm. right? So you know, Lucifer cast it down to here with his mm -hmm. angels, mm -hmm. right? When he's cast out of heaven, but does. Did the Bible actually say he's casted to hell? Well, it, I, I don't know the answer to the timeline, so I don't know the answer to that question. I'm not going to pretend like I do. There are thoughts about, um, the Bible talks about how there is, uh, is a lake of fire created for Satan and his people. So and the that, abyss as well. That, 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 yeah, that, that's scriptural. Right. We, we, we can In Revelations that. where the... Uh, we could, but but I, like, I mean, I don't, I, I'm not going to pretend like I know. Uh, it would make sense in some ways. What I do know is that what we're living here on earth is not heaven. Sure. And uh, I, hear, I heard one person said this. He goes, um, let's see if I can get it right. For Christians, earth is as close to hell as we will see. And for the unbeliever, earth is as close to heaven as they will see. Mm. Wow. That's deep. And beginning the process that the when we talk about life after death, um, the believer has life after death. That life is in the presence of God. Uh, it goes back to my statement earlier: is that heaven is about God, and and I and I and as a pastor, I struggle there because I have people who who lose loved ones, and they're like, "Well, I want to go to heaven and be with my loved one." 
And will, will they see the loved ones there? I, I hope so. I really do. But heaven's not for loved ones. Heaven's about God. Right. In the Bible, it says you'll recognize your loved ones, by the way, too. Not uh, that you'll, re, you'll reunite, reunite with them. Well, I mean, there's there's some scripture. There's some scripture that we can we can dive back and forth and, and scrutinize some meanings towards. Uh, but what is prevalent and what is clear is heaven is about God, and it's not about us and our happiness and our joy or our pleasure, right. or even our loved ones per, for, for, as a focus. It's about that's about God. It's about His presence. It's about uh, and that is what makes it special. So a lot of times we talk about heaven and hell. The reason why some people struggle is because they they wrestle with the concept of resetting Earth to a perfect space, and that's not all heaven is. Heaven is about being in the presence of God, unfiltered of sin. Right. And then, so now we. Not, not the reason why I say that is because I can understand how Earth can be a hell where there is sin. What What does that look like to you? What does being in His presence mean to you? Oh man, I've I've been there, so it's easy for me to articulate. I I I haven't seen God face to face. I haven't seen um, uh, Jesus face to face. Or been in the presence of. But right. I, I have felt I have felt that here on this earth, which gives me a little bit of glimpse and hope that I can be that in heaven. I don't know what that looks like. Uh, the Bible talks about the angels before the throne room of God are singing holy, holy, holy. So there's got to be a mouth and some songs. Right. <laughs> um, the Bible talks about no more tears, no more cries. The Bible talks about, I imagine Adam and Eve when they began, before sin happened, they were walking in the cool of the day with God Almighty in an intimate relationship. Right. So I imagine those things as heaven. Then if I take those things out, then I say, okay, what is hell? It's the absence of those things. It's the absence of God. It's the absence of his presence. And we already know that those in this world, a lot of the evil that takes place in this world, there's, there's an absence of God there. And it's almost like, it's almost like uh, when Romans, like earth. <laughs> yeah. And when Romans says, when Romans <laughs> right? says he let yeah. them over to their desires, I, I, in many ways, I can be convinced. I bring up, I can be convinced that Earth is simply the removal and the removal of God's presence. Yeah, and God's people. And I mean, yeah. that's just you know, like my perspective, right? It's like you, you gotta kind of discern and go through Scripture, and and that's what's been fun for me. And the, but I love talk, talking about it too. It's like there's perspectives, and then it's like we had we had a, a conversation with uh, this guy Justin, who grew up in church and he had a lot of stuff. Well, he led me to the Book of Enoch, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> and you know, being early on in my faith, is Justin the guy who buys um, store chips? Yeah, I, I, store I, saw units? I saw a little bit about that. Yeah, so it's like he said, I got he got more money. He feels bad. I saw that too. Yeah, I want to have that problem. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Test me. Yeah. Oh man. Sorry, I interrupted you. <clears throat> no, you're good. It's, it's, I shoot you his number, bro. But it's like uh, <laughs> you know, so so I went back. I went and bought it, and then I started getting, and I think it was like forty four, five, forty five, forty six other books mm-hmm. that are not in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And started reading those. Yes, sir. Um, but Enoch truly intrigues me. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because Enoch, the great-grandfather of Noah, mm-hmm. right? He's also one of the people who's ascended to heaven without death. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's a special person. And walked with God when earth was created, I believe. Mm-hmm. So I look at something like that, and I'm like, why would your book not be in the Bible? Mm-hmm. You know? And I know there's a lot of fear in that book when he talks. You know, he talks about the Nephilim and he talks about giants and mm-hmm. and all these different things. So I have a hard time understanding because I know, you know, even churches back in the, you know, when mm-hmm. when Jesus was crucified and you look at all these different things, like the Son of God standing in front of you and you still don't believe, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, 
so I feel like, you know, I believe it was the Catholics mm-hmm. who, you know, voted to remove that and other books and certain variations of different things. Sure. Yeah. And I feel like, like, what's your take on yeah. books, for one, being excluded? Yeah. And, like, that one for me, just because that's the one I know the most about. Yeah. And I'm like, a lot of things in it make sense because there's a lot of areas in other parts of Scripture that yeah. match. Yeah. Yeah. Very well. Yeah. From from what I know, it was about it, it almost came off Greek mythologist type of vibes to them to the books. Yeah, it give it, it, there's a so and we talk about the Bible and uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take a journey here. When we talk about the Bible, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of skepticism and criticism with the Bible. How can how can you know man wrote it, it's full of error. Uh, it's been translated, and it's not even God's word anymore. And so there's a lot of, a lot of thoughts here. And I think in general, some of those thoughts are hearsay. We've heard someone on a podcast give their view, and then we've adopted that as our own. I think when we study how the Bible came to be, who wrote it, when it was wrote it, when it was written, uh, the different meetings, moments where... It was uh, translated from the original language, the original writers, and literally translated. When I say translate, we're talking like, okay, word for word. Okay, this was Greek. Okay, this was Aramaic. Um, the LAX, this was Greek, Old Testament. And we get back and we go side by side and just put that into English. Or just like any translator, German translator, just moving word by word. We realize there's not a lot of uh, mistakes there. Okay, well, what, are, what are the translations? Why are there so many different translations? Well, some translations are people taking the original Greek text and putting that into what they feel it says. Okay, translation. Their interpretation. Their interpretation of that. But it's still based upon the original Greek text. Mm. Some are taken from the King James, which King James had a, had a process, a committee, and what they did is they went back to the original text. Like the, when we say original text, we're talking about the actual... Um, the, the scrolls that we were able to, uh, basically they were able to take the original text, um, make those 77 scholars or 70 scholars, how many they were, okay, we're going to take the original text, we're going to make a document, we're going to make this official document. So a lot of new Bibles are written of adaptation from the King James. My whole point is, is there's a lot of scrutiny here, and we got to get back to not what other people say, but a level of trusting what God says. The reason why I say that is because there was a point in time where a committee met and they decided that these books represent X. These books don't. And so the Apocrypha, some of those didn't make it. Some of those did. And what I choose to believe today is, Lord, I believe that you are big enough to let your Bible be your Bible. And I believe that you're big enough to be bigger than people's failure. And I know in my life where I have prayed, asked for your will, got his will and obeyed it and saw his favor and blessing. And I could also see how those people did the same. And I could see how God can use people for his purposes. So when we talk about the book of Enoch and other books from the Apocrypha, I've just decided that I choose to believe that this right here is God's handiwork and he's big enough to be bigger than man's failure and problems to do what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but uh, the themes in there, uh, I think can point us to the Lord. Uh, I don't, I don't, 
I don't, I haven't criticized it very much. I think I've read it twice. Um, I can't remember too much about it. Um, but I've, I've, just, I've just chosen to trust the word of God. Yeah. Now, if someone wants to talk about the Nicene Creed, someone to talk about the LAX, someone want to talk about the Apocrypha, they want to get down dirty into how these variations came and how we got the Tyndale Bible and how we got these things and who these people were and, and these great pillars of men of faith. That's different. But most people who are there are not, are not questioning God's word. Right. It's the person who has heard, oh, we can't read that. We can't trust the Bible because of this or that. And it's like, well, if God created this world, do you think he's big enough to make sure he wants what he wants in his sure. word? I mean, it's like, you know, like the word death, you know, being translated is actually sleep, right? And a lot of the, a lot of the scriptures. Some of, them, some of them. Right? And so, but there's a context because it'd still be death, translated to death, but then it's like sleep as well as, you know, because like some of the questions that arise for me is <clears throat> when you die, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you truly, you go straight to heaven or not, or if you're in a sleep Great until question. he comes to. Great question. You know, until end of times. You know, because, and I say that, being very young and infant in this, okay? Sure. Is trying to discern, you know, it's like, when he comes, <clears throat> the dead will be raised, mm-hmm. right? First Thessalonians 4. So it's it's like, you know, raised for their judgment, right? Mm-hmm. But, and, and I can't, it's hard to kind of like articulate exactly what I'm trying to say. Uh, but it's more yeah. or less like, there's a lot of scriptures that have led me to believe that you're almost in an eternal sleep, mm-hmm. in like a waiting period. Until the Lord returns, yeah. and well, I, I, it's, it's, I like I like the thought. Uh, I think as we process the thought, um, number one, um, and I'll say it's not towards you. I'll just say it because it needs to be said. I think any time we come with Christian opinion, Christian opinion must be grounded in God's word. And I, you're not doing this, but I do think sometimes we say, we try to get thoughts about God without what God said. <laughs> We try to get give our opinion about what's going to happen sure. when God has told us things that He's going to happen. Mm. Um, but when I take what you're saying in First Thessalonians four, it does really seem that when He comes back, the dead will be raised first. And all these people who are dead are going to come, are going to raise from the dead while I'm alive, and I'm going to see it. And then all of a sudden, we as Christians are going to be caught up. So what are the people who are dead doing this whole time? Right. Um, you know, when I when I begin to ask those things, say God, help me see bigger perspective. Maybe it's God's not bound by time. Yeah. Maybe it is when we talk about sleep. Maybe it is that when they die, how many, or however long ago it was, that for them, when they die, that it was a moment when the angels of God met them right there. Yeah, they're not. They're not waiting. Well, not even consider too if it's if it's while Revelations playing out. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that died during those that aren't. You know, because like, say the rapture happens, which, you know, not. Can go deep into this, but you know, when the rapture happens, say all those people. Yeah, I'll just say I don't know when it gets to Revelation. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like, it's like Revelations is going down, you know, and you know, these all these people die through all these wars and these battles, and you know, the the process, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, that would be my other take is like maybe they don't rise to heaven because obviously heaven's going to come down. Yeah. Well, let me let me play the other side to it. I mean, if we're on a podcast, so I may say some things, and I don't know, I don't know my audience, so but. As we're talking and talking here, when, if I go on the other side of that, and how in the world would Saul um, speak to Samuel, who's dead, through a medium, if Samuel was in heaven? Right. How does it, is the story of um, the rich young man in Lazarus, is that a fable, is that a parable, is that a real life story? If it's real life, then how is that happening? And do the people, is there, is there purgatory? Is there a place that 
that people wait? And, or how is it that Enoch and um, Elisha, not, um, Elisha and um, I forget the other person was met with Jesus on the mountain transfiguration if they were in heaven? Right. There's a lot of thought there. Sure. And uh, I think as you do the studies and depending on where you are, if you're on a couch, if you're in a classroom or if you're, um, you know, if you're in a lecture hall or debate hall, I think we got to get to God's word to God. Okay, um, I may not understand this, uh, but I, I trust in you. I trust in the gospel. I trust in the blood of Jesus. But I also think in that same token, Lord, help me with my unbelief. Give me some understanding. And then not only do I want to understand just so I can say I know, but how is that relevant to my life today? And here's what I know is that the, the world may be ending or may not be ending, but it's the, it's the last days for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's my last well, days. That's good. When people talk about that too, I'm like, I mean, I don't know when it is, and I, don't, I honestly don't care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm worried about my relationship. Yeah. And, and your relationship. You know, yeah, it's, it's about... like we were talking about it the other night at home. We're just like, like I don't even have fear of death anymore. Like, there's like no fear there because I'm amen. like, I'm going to be renewed. You know? Yeah. Amen. To, I'm, I'm there too. You know, and I'm just like, and that's what I told my wife too. I was like, you know, if I go before you, I say, you better have a party, like celebrate because, you know, I'm up here, you know, and that obviously contradicts what I just said, but I'm like, I'm up in heaven, like chilling, like exactly where I want to be. Well, here's the reality is you will be. Yeah. You know, we, the timeline and the process is unknown. The The facts is, is that um, there is a heaven to gain a health is John and there's a place where we can say, God, I want to be with you. And how we get there is if God wanted us to know very clearly we would know. Yeah. Unfortunately, we had to go back to what we said before and have a little bit of, a little bit of faith. I, I got a couple more for you before we wrap this up. I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm okay. still talking. Well, let me get one in real quick. I'm good. Okay. Got one. So I'm, I'm going to ask this question because I grew up in a diverse family. You being a a black pastor. Okay. I'm going to say African-American, American. Have you had any challenges not being in a primarily black church. Oh, great question. And I would have asked this too if you were a white man preaching in a primarily black church. So great, great question. You know, I have um so let me let me let me let me for those who don't know, let me paint the picture of where, where I am and where where our church. So our, our church is in um, Plano, Texas, and Plano, Texas by by demographic is pretty um, eclectic. It's diverse. Um, yeah, there's a lot out there. Yeah, Plano, Plano itself, the Dallas area itself is pretty diverse. And so and then as, as life happens, the diversity is still there, but it's changing. So you see a lot of Indians, a lot of Asians, um, uh, different Asians uh, coming in. And so it's, it's a diff, different diverse culture. Um, my, my, our founding pastor is a, is a white man. And so, but our church, and this is real, real talk, I'm not even exaggerating it. Our church is probably the most diverse church you'll ever see. Right. Um, I, I wish I could sugarcoat that. Uh, it, it just really is. And so we, we say diverse. We're talking um, uh, 40% white, 40% black, 20% other. The 20 other includes Africa, Indian. The, the, the smallest culture at our church is probably the Hispanic population. But if you look at Plano, it represents that as well. So it's right. not Hispanics it, are usually Catholic anyway, right? They are generally speaking, they are great thoughts. Um, so when you ask the question, "How do I pastor as a black?" Um, or have male, you ran into any like any? Have you ran into anything? Um, um, this is hard. But I was, this is sad. I was about to say out, outside the normal, no, but it's sad. I have to say, there's normal, right? 
And when I say normal, I'm talking about the everyday um, thing. And I, and the, 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 so let me paint a picture real quick. This tells you a little bit about kind of my heart. Uh, I obviously got long hair and, and earrings. And um, I've probably been on a dreadlock journey for a lock journey for long time. Yeah, 10 plus years. And I remember starting out in ministry, I'm trying to teach myself humility and how to surrender and humble myself underneath authority, even when I don't have to. So I remember going to my white pastor and saying, hey, I want to do a lock journey. Uh, if you don't think about lock journey, they look cool now, but there's three years where they don't look cool at all. <laughs> and it's not like you look like a thug or anything like that. You just, you just it's nappy. Yeah. And, um, and so I stand and I'm communicating to people who are married. I'm doing a marriage ministry for people who are married longer than I've been alive. Young guy, want to do a lock journey. What I did is I humbled myself for me and said, hey, I want to do this. You have permission to tell me no. I don't want to be disrespectful and I don't want to lose influence. He's like, what? Why do you... Bro, do what you want to do. It, was, it wasn't even a factor. But I learned there that people respond to me how I present myself to them. So as a black pastor who walks in the call of God, I don't see myself or carry myself as if I am. Uh, I recognize my heritage and my culture. I have a friend of mine named Damian Madison. He has his own podcast. He's very much a good ear of my ethnicity in my ear. A good reminder of that. But I first and foremost um, carry myself outside of my culture than in my culture, which those people, black, black Americans who are watching me right now, I've just offended them. Um, which allows me- In what way me, do you think you offended them? What would, what would make you think you offended them? Well, because I think there's so much pride in black culture. And I think as an African American, I should recognize and know who I am. First and foremost. But that's not first and foremost. It's second most. Right. Now, that wouldn't bad nature talk about how that is a, that is a white influence right. talking through a black American. And I, I understand that. And I just nod my head. And that's a place I chose. So what I'm saying to you is I have chosen to live my life where it's not a big deal to me. Right. And therefore, it's not a big deal to me. Right. If it was a big deal to me, then I would have lots of answers to your question about opportunities where it create problems because I would have problems. But I've chosen I'm not going to let those be problems. And so I've, I've, I'm able to walk in different rooms and have influence with different people because I chose not to make race the problem or make the race the issue. And don't get me wrong. It's an issue. You feel me? Sure. It's an issue, but I'm not making it an issue. So yes, how do I pastor well as a black American in a white suburban area? Um, I realize that I represent Christ in everything I do. Right. And when people look at me, they, they may have a stigma. Uh, they may have a prejudice. They may have opinion that may even be based in wrong and sin. But the moment I start talking with the anointing God has given me, it will break down their stigma. And I will not be what they think I am. Right. Now I have a place to lead them where God has called me to lead them. So um, I don't know if I answered your question there. I probably went on a tangent, but reality is, is I um, here in Plano it's easier because it's our, our 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 nature is diverse. Yeah, and so it's not it's not a uncommon to see different cultures blending, and so I can get away with it because our community gets away with it. That's first and foremost. Right. Uh, and so our church represents our community. But if I were somewhere else, then that would be a problem because it'd be a problem in their community, 
and uh, so um, that kind of fits there. But I just chosen in my own mind to, to, to uh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm wise about it. I recognize it's happening. I just choose to try to do my best to like. Have you just ever noticed that you weren't as accepted? Um, yeah. So let me give you some, let me give you some examples of it. So as a pastor, I have the privilege to do a bunch of weddings. Uh, I actually married mine as well. Yep, I married you and uh, your beautiful wife Raina. And, yes, sir. Um, it was an honor. Um, I actually did premarital counseling with your mom. Yeah, and uh, and so I, I love at weddings. Um, on the, on the rehearsal day, I, I I love sitting back in bridesmaids, groomsmen are coming in. Obviously, another couple. I'll sit back in the corner, and when the when the time the, the wedding coordinator comes, say, okay, pastor, it's your turn. I love getting at that moment. They're like, who's this little kid? Who's this guy here? Yeah. Who's this guy? And you can feel in the room the tension. The thoughts of, that people are having yeah, about you. Of race, yeah. of age, the whole nine yards. Yeah. And so I've learned that that if I ever have dissension or there's awkwardness, I pray. Right. And I learned the longer I pray, the more influence I get. Mm. So I pray a lot. And then after I pray a lot... Um, to yourself I, or like no out loud out loud in that I, moment. I'll pray in the, I pray for the couple I pray for everybody and the gotcha. longer I'm, people are like okay we're praying and it's like okay this guy's not the same as that, what, I, what I thought he would be yeah and so that's that's the rehearsal so I, now I've got influence with the couple and the and the now the wedding comes this is where happens the most I love standing at the door in my black suit non fashy it's been my same suit I had for like ten years uh, I open the door for people and people just walk by me. I say hi, thank you for coming. They just don't even look at me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And most of the weddings that I do, there's a lot of weddings I do where they're just white old people. They think you're the door guy. Yeah. They think I'm the door guy. Yeah. Um, they think I'm a door guy until I start talking about the wedding. And every time at the end of it, they think that's the best wedding I've ever had. I'm in my head thinking, it's only the best wedding you've ever seen because you thought it would be something different. Mm-hmm. They all said something to you when. Yeah, when although, they, when they although, left, yeah, right? yeah, 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 it happens. So that, that, that's, that's where I see it the most, Gabe, honestly. Gotcha. Um, but that's in a positive way. It isn't. Well, it, it, well it turned positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made it positive. Right. I want, I want you to hear that because I think a lot of times people take moments of tension and make it more of tension because they choose to. And I don't, I, I just don't choose to. There are some times where um, I mean, I've had people say to me, um, I've had one person, um, uh, they didn't want to talk to me. They wanted Pastor Brooks. Mm. Um, See, that that's really where my question was. Yeah. I had a feeling that I mean, that has to happen. It, it, but it doesn't, it doesn't happen often. Gotcha. And if it does, I don't catch wind of it. Right. Now, I'm pretty sure people complain to our, our leadership about uh, us, about me. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that goes on. Yeah. But the only time I face it when someone says, I don't want to talk to you, I want to talk to him. And then he's really good at just defending me. In reality is that most of the time when people don't talk, he's, he's not good at counseling. He's not good at listening in one-on-ones. And he's going to refer to me anyways. So it's like, and then once you finally talk to me, and if you push me hard enough, I have pride. And so my pride will come out. If you're going to use the big, big languages to try to make me feel stupid, right. I'm gonna, I can out-language you. Right. If you want to pull some Bible verses to make you feel smarter, I'm gonna, I'll out-Bible verse you. And so yeah. those are some sins in me and pride in me that in those moments. But Bible battle. Uh, I will win it. I will win it. I promise. I'm gonna bring my Bible slam book. <laughs> um, but but so but um, mm. I try not to make that a big deal. Yeah. So um, but like 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 I said, it doesn't happen that much because I represent the community I'm in, and, and Plano's pretty pretty much. Um, Plus, you you've been in that church since you were a kid. You yep. you've been a face in there for yep. And I and a I long and time. I've been a face a long time. So here's yeah. what I learned with that. 
I'm going to try to articulate. I think I, I think I can articulate it. The first five years of ministry, you're, you're on borrowed influence. So Pastor Jesse, Pastor Brooks allowed me to be here. Thank you, Pastor Jesse, for letting me be here. Pastor Brooks said... Shout out, Pastor Jesse. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, these, I, I'm using their name to create influence in, in a room. Mm -hmm. After five years, uh, I now have influence. And so I'm giving things of mine because these people here are... Are, have been with me for five years. Uh, I have influence. They trust me because I was there in their weddings. I was there in their funerals. I was there in their hospital. So I've developed five years. After five years, I developed influence. You know, I learned after 15 years. It's people come to the church new. They don't know the five years or the 10 years, but yet I still have greater influence because they feel that I feel the tenure. Mm -hmm. They feel that this person has is stable, stable in this environment. I don't, can't explain yeah. it, but even though they're now meeting me, they're meeting me with ten years of of influence, right? Of it. my own. It's yeah. a it's it's God's gift. Yeah, you know it's it's. I mean, it's the first I, the one time I met you. I mean, it was like you know, I was like oh, that's my dude. Yeah, my you dude. know, what I mean, but that's it's like it, he's you naturally just have it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's, but you know, like Gabe said, there's obviously you know racism in the world. Yep. You it, know, religious racism. You know, sex, sexual racism. I mean, yeah. based on gender equalities and other things, there's just so much you know negativity and yep. evil yep. that that everybody has to battle in certain types of ways. But I mean, it's well. Here, here's here's what I wish. Here's reactive and reaction. Here's what I plea. All the churches and we have <clears> a lot of political churches nowadays, and we have a lot of churches that are are left and right. They'll they'll talk this person on the pulpit, this thing on this thing on the pulpit. And what I love about my environment. Because I believe it. Other people struggle with it. I believe it. Is that we just chose to maximize Jesus more than the issues. And, and a lot of people struggle with that. Well, why don't you guys talk about this more? Talk about that more. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to point to God's word and the Lord. And that's technically the middle ground. And people think middle ground is taking the easy road out. But being in the middles, when I say middle, focusing on the Lord rather than the issues. Mm -hmm. It's not easy at all because you get pressure on both sides yeah. rather than pressure on one side. You lose congregation members from both sides. You have people angry at you from both sides rather than just the, the one side you choose. Therefore, you be the other side. So um, I have adopted that as my, as my, as my, as my, as my, some of my beliefs is that I'm going to stand and, and uh, be really, really, all these things may be going on, but okay, what is, let's, let's, let's point upward. Let's focus on, on God and Lord and Jesus and the word of God um, rather than making an issue about these things. Because you're going to, and what that allows us to do is our, in our church, you're going to have a Democrat park next to a Republican. You're going to have this person who believes this and who can sit next to this person and believe this. And what makes them able to be in the same room is our worship above. They serve the same God. Yeah. I mean, you have to break it down that we're all brothers and sisters. We all believe, you know. take all the sur the surface <laughs> stuff off, you know. And I mean, that's the same thing. It's you know, jealousy and envy and all these other things, you know. And then it's like, you know, if you're jealous of your wife's, you know, talking to another man, or she's jealous of you talking to another woman, I'm just like, it's, you have to break everything back down to brother and sister. If you're living free of sin, mm -hmm. you know. What I mean, there's obviously fine lines there as sinful people in society, mm. but. It's it's a tough deal, right? Yep. You know, from so many different aspects. Um, I mean, that's a we've we've got so much more, but what I want to do is I want to want to kind of I got some time. 
take this, you know. My bladder might explode. Yeah, I mean, I was, we're we're gonna take this towards the end now, and okay. uh, um, you know, I, I you know, I want to say, you know, I went to your church one time, um, not because of that, not you know anything in particular. It's just we we'd already picked another church. I'm just like, it was a very tearing feeling, really. You know, like <laughs> like man, I really love his church. You know, yeah. but it's like. We were already down the journey. I'm like, I'm a fan of the other churches too. You know, it's like, and and there's you know there's just not enough great churches in my opinion. You know, and I think a lot of it has to do with the people that are running it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I do pray for those churches. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But when you have a huge population, and it talks about it in the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of churches will fall. Mm-hmm. And you know, I worry about that because I worry about the people inside who are you know taking these advices and you know from people who. Well, God's not going to let His church fail. Right. No. The big C church. Yeah, I was about to say that. I think the wrong churches are going to fall. Yeah, I mean, to. that's the, the yeah. you know, when he comes for his bride. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's, there's just so much that, you know, you really talk about. Um, I want to kind of leave the ending, you know, up to you on um, a message you want to put out there for our viewership. Yeah. Um, you know, because like I said, we could probably do another two hours, but in the grand yeah. scheme of things, we all got some stuff we got to get done and, and I definitely want a part two. Got to part mean? two. Yeah, I mean, I definitely want a part two, but this yeah. time we'll, we'll bring some of this equipment come to the church. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do a little part two. Yeah. Well, if I could, if I could say something to people, say something to the people listening, um, I would rather not give wisdom or instruction or guidance. If I can do anything before you, be pray for you. My greatest privilege on this earth are not just my words to men, it's my words to God. And some of you have never had anybody just pray um, pray with you and for you, maybe about you, but not on behalf. And so there's three things I want to pray. Number one, I want to pray for your relationship with God, that you know him, that he was revealing yourself to him and that you understand is that he has paid the price for your righteousness. You can be close to him. Uh, two, I want to pray for your health, your healing. The Bible says in Psalm 103, verse two, bless the Lord on my soul. Don't forget his benefits who has forgiven sin and healed us. 1 Peter 2, uh, 24 says that we might die to sin but live for him, that by the stripes of Jesus we've been healed. There's a dichotomy of his forgiveness and his healing. I want to pray for your relationship, one. Number two, I want to pray for your healing. And three, I just want to pray that you know him uh, and that you get to walk intimately with him and that he provides for your needs. Um, but you got to understand is that he's not just your need provider. He doesn't provide just so you can have your needs met. He provides for your needs so you know him. And your greatest need is not your money and it's not your health. It's your sin. And he's paid that. So, Father, I thank you so much for the people in this podcast. I thank you for the select few or God who are going to listen to this, God, and those even more who are going to take the narrow road and follow you. I pray even now as they're watching that they feel you in their heart and they feel your tug and pull. Not the churches, not religion, not all this stuff, not what mom, not what dad, not what any of the other people have said or done. I pray they hear and feel you. So, Lord, be with them. I pray, God, that if they're going through anything, God, I thank you that you are the healer and the strength. And, Lord, I pray, God, what your word says, that you have taken um, their unrighteousness, the things they have done that is that creates distance from you, and you sent Jesus to bleed on a cross where they should be bleeding 
so they can be in right standing with you. I pray for belief. Help them simply believe and, and know you and all the doubts and questions. It's okay to have doubts and questions. I pray they can um, have faith in those moments. So give them faith. Give them healing. And let them know you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You want to uh, drop the address to the church? Let them know. <laughs> I would say this find a local church get involved you don't need to go to mine find where you can get involved get in the presence of God don't let church be an excuse don't let someone, what someone says be an excuse be in his presence we talk about spiritual warfare don't let the whispers of the enemy of what is common take you about take you away from what God's wanting to do okay so find a local church you don't need to drive to where I am um, find a local church, get involved, let God speak to you, sing your songs, pray your prayers, grow in your word. That's what I'll give. If they are local, though, where you at? We are in Plano, <laughs> Texas. <laughs> and my name of the church is Grace Church Plano, under the leadership of Jesse Prince. There you go. You awesome. know, and I mean, that's the final message, too, is like people who are wavering on, on how to find a church, try a bunch. You know, yeah. you'll know. You'll It will feel right. You know, you'll just know. Thanks. It just, it, it feels good, you know, and the, you might have a couple like me where it's like, they both feel good and they both have service at the same time. So I'm like, I need one of them to have a Wednesday service. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me say this too. A lot of times people say, well, can I go to online church? And, and, uh, I mean, I guess you could, but there's something about being the body. And, um, you know, as a pastor, I can't, I can't pastor people. I don't know. I can't marry people and bury people online. Eventually, you're going to want to have those things done, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I got to, go to, I got to find a church. And so don't wait until the moments where the church need, you need the church um, to get involved and get engaged. Yeah. I mean, those, that's, a part, that's a part two question where we start dialoguing, sure. and I start addressing some of the people, some of the things that people have. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, don't, 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 get involved. Yeah, I say we, we'll put out like a little, you know, questionnaire type thing, like stuff we want to talk yeah. about and do a part two, because... I mean, I'm sure we can have all kinds of questions. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The reality is that we got to get outside ourselves and just, just do what God wants, not what we want. Exactly. Yeah, we could probably do a part five. It's like you, church. I mean, are we, are we, are, are we going to be drinking apple juice while we do it? Um, you know, <laughs> apple juice, orange juice. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it has to be wine. I mean, it's just, <laughs> that's the biblical way. <laughs> you know. Bread and wine. <laughs> I don't know. Does uh, Gabe, do you drink wine? Uh, if if it's the right one, I'll sip it. Brandy wine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, All right Julian, guys. I really appreciate you, man. Pastor like, Julian, ladies and gentlemen, so much love, man. And um, yes, guys, check out Grace Church Plano. Um, check out this podcast. You're not gonna want to miss the the future stuff that's gonna come out too. But um, yeah, pray it. Let's get it. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Appreciate you, man. <laughs>